of Atlantis. Your foul species is hereby banned from the seas and oceans of the world. Any who enter the waters will face my wrath. Imperius Rex! Hello and welcome to Third Degree Burn. I'm John Hyatt and I am doing the heavy lifting today because I am the one who suggested the topics that we're going to cover today. So it's all on me. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm joined today or we're all here together today with uh, Brian, Tim and Kirk. Say hi guys. Hi guys. Hello. Hey guys. Hi. Hey John. <laughs> well, Really happy to uh, be here and uh, be covering one of my favorite stories, uh, which is in the neighbor uh, submarine. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. So you guys. John, John, I'm going to interrupt you right now. Before we go another step, I've got to say something. Okay. And I'm really, really upset. I mean, put out. I mean, I'm just ticked beyond belief. What's the matter, man? What happened? I don't know if you guys saw it yesterday, but yesterday a brand new episode of Back to the Bins came out, and of all things, they covered Hulk fanfare, I mean not Hulk, but Marvel fanfare, number 29, the all-splash-page Hulk issue. (gasps) The John Byrne all-splash-page Hulk issue, and do they invite Third Degree Byrne on? We've been on several shows with them when they covered Byrne before. Do they talk to us? Do they say, do they plug us? No! <laughs> they didn't even ask permission. Oh! How dare they, man? That's messed I thought, up. I thought we had an agreement that they don't cover anything burn. You know what? We're going to get the Montecor on the... I'm for uh... an embargo. <laughs> an embargo. No more back to the bin. Oh, no. I'm Make kidding. it a rumble. Take it back. I take it back. I take it back. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Let's hope Dufo didn't get didn't hear that. We're going to have that that, t- that showdown <laughs> like they did in Anchorman. It's going to be us against them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a rumble behind the DeMonzo Corps building. <laughs> this is all in jest, guys. I, I, if you're listening, uh, Paul, Dr. Bill, Scott, we're just having fun with you. I love the show. It was a great episode. It I got to say, though, the one thing you guys didn't do, and that this surprises me because you usually do it on every other book, is a page by page. I mean, it's what, 22 pages, splash pages? Was it too much? <laughs> Again, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are we doing today, Brian? I think that's your cue, John. John. Oh, he said Brian. (laughs) Brain. He said brain. As in pinky in the brain. Oh, brain. Sorry, I thought I heard brain. I heard Brian, too. (laughs) Brain and brain. What is brain? That's all right. I I get called brain, or uh, mostly when people write me emails, letters, whatever, they misspell it brain all the time. And I have certain friends that call me brain. Hey, Kevin. Brain Hughes? But... (laughs) So, so I, I can understand the, 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 the mistake there. Probably my fault anyway. Anyway, go ahead, John. Anyway, uh, so and all the times that you all have always said, hey, what, what are some topics we should cover? What are we some topics we should cover? I think I've almost always said Namor 10 through 12, Namor 10 through 12, because it's really a great story, and it involves a revisit to one of my favorite series in the 70s when I was growing up, which was The Invaders. And uh, he really did a great job at uh, revisiting the invaders and kind of doing a little reset on a couple of the characters. 
And I always just thought it would be cool. So when we were talking about what we could cover, I was like, hey, let's do Invaders 10 through 12, which of course was just like, wow, three issues. Uh, that means we're going to be here forever. Well, I'm going to try to move us along. So uh, we are going to take a cue from Back to the Bins, I guess, and not do it page by page. Eep! <laughs> and break tradition with third degree burn and uh, try to cover these stories today. What do you think? Good job. What's that? <laughs> Did you take that eep from She-Hulk? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> did it sound like a She-Hulk eep? <laughs> yeah, it did. Sound like a She-Hulk eep. At least uh, how I heard it in my head. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love She-Hulk too, man. And what John Byrne did to bring her character to the forefront was really fantastic work. Literally fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, before we get into it, though, does anybody want to bring up the uh, SpaceX mission? Uh, I thought this, the the their, their new suits are pretty cool. Yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah, yeah I, like I noticed that too. Uh, how can they be so light and so so unbulky compared to what we had back in the '60s? Just amazing. Well, I yeah, thought I those guess. were NASA suits, but I guess those are the suits that the SpaceX guys wear. I don't I don't think those are NASA provided. Or am I wrong? Well, I don't think they're going to be used for like spacewalks or anything. They're just, of course. Um, for use on the in the vehicle during the, the the transportation, just in case they have some form of decompression or whatnot. So they they're like, like um, rolls. Yeah, they said they're like it's like a tuxedo. It's and it does look. It looks. I mean, it looks like it was designed by Apple. So maybe that's the point. Yeah. It needs to be kind of slick and white and high tech and. Yeah, and they just uh, actually got out of them just a little while ago. I think they're – I'm not watching right now, but I was watching the, the NASA channel earlier, and they were getting ready to disembark. They'd already docked up with a space station yep. within the last two hours. Yep. And that's just – I'm, I'm thrilled beyond belief, and I really wish I could get a job working for uh, SpaceX. Uh, don't tell my current job, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that they're listening to the podcast diligently to find out what you're doing on the side. <laughs> yeah, well, monitor you know, their employees. That's right. You know, why is he not working so much? What's he doing? He's blathering on the radio all the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they need some IT work, Brian. Uh, they had me working last night. I think that's that's enough, you know. I put in a couple hours checking things out. I don't know what it is. There's been some like sunspot activity or something that's been really messing with uh, things for us. Solar flare, maybe? Yeah, solar flare. there was a massive solar flare. Mm. That's it. Good thing Jean Grey's not up there piloting a shuttle. Oh, man. But we got people flying Just, around in spaceships yeah. out there right now. That's right. For having um, solar flares, watch your, uh, watch your garden for triffids. And if, if you guys have watched the NASA channel, of course, like right now, they've got a signal of uh, the guys up there in the, in the main cabin there as they're getting ready to open the docking collar from the SpaceX, the, the Dragon capsule. And it looks like it's such a mess. It's messier than my son's room. And <laughs> I'm just wondering, it's like, what, what, when did they ever clean up? But everything I guess in floats, zero gravity. Everything floats around. You can't clean it up. Yeah. It's Unless just, you Velcro everything. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. it won't smell like sweaty gym socks. <laughs> got a little, they've got a little Sweet. Roomba that goes around and cleans up all the time. Yeah, my wife, of course, is worried about, you know, the other things getting loose, like when they go to the bathroom, if they make a mistake and that starts floating about through the cabin or 
of course, if someone gets sick, there's you know that to think about too. Oh, uh, let's not go there. Yeah. Okay, we should get back to. Um, uh, let's get back. Thomas <laughs> Fish Namor. <laughs> okay. Well, Namor's been running for about a year now. When we join this tale, right? He's up to issue ten, so he's been coming out monthly. Yes, he has okay. been monthly, and it's leading up to the first year, uh, giant size anniversary issue. Before we kind of this... before we jump into it, John, I couldn't find it on this, but maybe somebody else has. Did was this Burns' idea to, did it, or did the Marvel come to him and say, "Hey, we want somebody to kind of bring Namor back. Hey, will you do it?" Or was it his idea? As far as Burns taking over Namor. No, he uh, launched. He's he's he been on the book it, since so I mean, the beginning yeah. of this book. Yeah. So I mean, was it his idea, or I was wondering if he was just hired? Because uh, you know he was doing he was working for Marvel and DC during this time. He was jumping back and forth. He was actually pretty busy compared to the other stuff that came out. Yeah, he was. I read this as a labor of love. This is something he wanted to do. I don't have a quote for that, but uh, I just had the impression that. This is his desire to tie up loose threads and explain things, and I can sense his passion that, in this one. Yeah, I, I agree that, Kirk. It feels like, uh, especially the explaining stuff. I, I get that a lot from Burns, that he he feels he has an idea of, as kind of a comic fan sometimes, he has an idea of, well, I want to explain this, or this is how this should have been, or they should have done it this way. And he, that's how I think somebody gets involved in some of these projects. and. It seems to be that because the first what's you know what's the first thing he does in the first issue is he kind of addresses Namor's erratic behavior, behavior. and yep. fixes it. Yep. Yeah, I'm and not it was sure. it was it was a good explanation. I thought that. Yep, I do too. I think he did a wonderful job of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though I I still did not ever really develop a. A great liking for the 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 father and daughter that uh, helped him out, and they kind of just disappeared from it all, didn't they? Wait I till mean, next issue. The more yeah, we wait till the next arc. They're coming yeah. back. Yeah, but I mean, they they weren't as integral to the whole. You know, that he was on there for what uh, twenty six issues where he did the art, and two issues where he was writing. Yeah, is that right? A couple of years he was on it. Yeah, for about two years, and they, they weren't as integral to the story as you thought they were going to be from the very beginning. Because right, I agree. Yeah, and the the father he became basically like Aunt May, because <laughs> it always seemed like he was going to be on death's door or, or just really sick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But you know, overall, it was a a, a fun series to read because you never knew who he was going to bring in, and he kept bringing people in he he kept it in the marvel style where it bounced with you know different guests whether it be of course um fantastic four uh, several of the avengers wolverine uh and of course what we've got going on here with the invaders and yeah. his uh and roger stern's pickup on the uh, union jack and uh so i mean it it was definitely told in that great marvel style that he did and he was really uh, wearing every hat he possibly could, because if you looked on the credits and he's not only was he doing writing pencils, inks, he was lettering uh, these two, and I, I noticed a few things in there as a result. But uh, also, of course, this was during his Duo Shade 
era where he was using that. I mean, it's it, am I understanding this right? It's kind of like the Zipatone, but it's uh, like the Zipatone's it, it, built in. Yeah, we talked about that during OMAC. It's it's a specially mm-hmm. treated paper that when you I can't remember. I'd have to go back and read our notes, but when you ink over it or something, the the Zipatone lines kind of appear, so it's easier because you don't have to cut and paste. You know, stick the Zipatone on; it's kind of built in. But I found it a little uh, distracting, and I think it kind of muddies things up a little bit. You know, it's funny because I was thinking the same thing. It was like his comments on uh, Bob Layton's inks on Hulk Annual Seven, because Bob's inks on Hulk Annual Seven, he said that it gave everything the texture of metal. You know, and, and and the the duo shade textures that were in the artwork here seemed like like you said muddied or, or heavy handed, very uh, distracting to the point. Sometimes. Well, a lot of this we'll we'll talk about it because we get into it, but yeah, a lot of this the inking is. Um, I think overall the books are dark, and I don't mean content wise. I mean they're dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Both ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's true. Yeah, we're dealing with Nazis, so I guess that is dark. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, so just John, a little you, background on um, yeah. the time that this book was written. So picture it, Germany, 1989. Uh, this, this is when the, the Iron Curtain basically fell. It started with a, the Hungarians uh, opening their borders and uh, or, or taking away the border patrols and things there. And then by the end of the year, uh, the wall protests and and you know, people had flooded from the east East Germany to the west, and eventually the wall came down. And um, we're all old enough to remember those wonderful images on television, the Time magazine cover, and all of that showing uh, people tearing down the Berlin Wall, and uh, which started then a year of reunification process between East and West Germany. And of course, that was fraught with a lot of opposition as well as support. I mean, people were thrilled to see the Iron Curtain come down, the end of communism as we knew it then, and the the opposed people thinking, oh, a reunified Germany after two world wars, uh, we don't think this is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a bad idea, but um, uh, it progressed anyway. And all of those themes are picked up uh, by John Byrne in this story, which is why it's such a relevant piece to the time and i think it's still i found it uh, still pretty pretty relevant i mean i didn't think it was you know like some stories are just like oh gosh this is totally <laughs> um dated but um here it, it didn't seem like it was dated to me in a lot of ways um aside from the obvious topics so we have three issues and as you mentioned earlier uh, all of the words and art were by john byrne Color was done by Glennis Oliver. Is that Glennis Wine? Yes. Yes. Yeah, she's okay. credited both ways, I think. Oh, okay. And edited by Terry Cavanaugh. Editor-in-chief was Tom DeFalco. And the issues were uh, dated January, February, and March of 1991. But the release dates were number 10 came out November 6th of 1990. Uh, 11 came out on December 4th. And the... Issue 12, the giant size anniversary issue, came out January 1st, 1990. So 
I have this really long synopsis, but man, it's just going to be long. That'll take a whole show. So I'm going to kind of really, really encapsulate it. Uh, Namor, of course, lived through World War II and fought Nazis then with a group called the Invaders. And uh, it shows him um, reading about that and expressing some concern and wondering, is this a good idea? Namorita is a big part of this. And she, being a young lass, is not quite sure why that's such a trouble to Namor, her cousin, and uh, he explains it, and they decide uh, they have a visit with Captain America, and Cap's also concerned, but I think he's like, let's give it a chance, let's let's see, uh, that's ever Cap. <laughs> and so Namor and Namorita decide to fly to Germany, because in this new uh, revised uh, Namor, he's a he's a mo- big businessman he's got holdings all over the all over the world and so he uses an excuse to go visit one of them in berlin and then uh ends up finding an old enemy and we find out that this old enemy masterman uh, leads him to this lair where an old doctor is trying to revive uh masterman's quote-unquote wife uh, and it's quote-unquote because <laughs> he thinks it is and she thinks it's not because uh, the back history is the wedding was interrupted. So, uh, uh, But they're reviving her out of a stasis tube and find out that there's some possibly some brain damage and they're not quite sure how she's going to make it out of this. But then uh, we ultimately find out that all of this has been led by a guy named Axel Noct, who wants to be the new masterman and also wants to seize the opportunity of a reunification of Germany to seize control. And I'm thinking that he's really about financial control and power dominance that way, not necessarily in a Nazi way, but he's going to use the Third Reich as a a way to do it. And masterman and warrior woman are going to be his ways, uh, are going to be his enforcers. Lots of battles in this, and lots of great battles between thugs and Masterman and Warrior Woman. And uh, the Human Torch is the original Human Torch is brought in to, uh, 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 or she he was captured, and so they're going to use his blood to try to revive Warrior Woman. And because it's artificial, and they think it has some properties to it because of that. We go through a huge battle scene, and in the end, uh, Masterman 1 and 2, Warrior Woman, all disappear. Uh, there's no bodies found in the, in the rubble, and we find out that the... Oh, I, this is what I get for kind of winging the long <laughs> synopsis. Uh, coming in is uh, Spitfire from the original Invaders. Uh, she's an old woman now. And the new Union Jack, which is the <clears throat> Union Jack that came out of the Captain American issues, 253 and 254. And, uh, of course, they battle, and the second Masterman is defeated. And then at the end of the story, the Human Torch is pronounced dead, and a Spitfire is leading a new invigorated life. Um, as as she a 16-year-old. <laughs> as a 16-year-old. <laughs> so... Um, courtesy of the Human Torch's transfusion when she got injured and he um, tra- gave her a transfusion, which is what actually turned her into Spitfire back in- originally. Uh, she got injured in World War II 
they did a blood transfusion not knowing what the effects would be and it gave her the super speed powers and so when what the explanation is is when they gave her a, another full transfusion it rejuvenated her and de-aged her by about what, 50 years or 40 years at this point so, so that's does, she, of, does she still get to draw her pension though because on the book she's 71 but she looked 16 so does she or does she have to start all over again uh that i'm not sure that would be up she's to her still and, that old yeah, she she can draw the pension. They've already covered this with Cap, all his back pay while he was in suspended animation. He's sitting on a small fortune. Oh, I didn't joking, realize they had folks. done that. Yeah, that's been addressed. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Oh. Sorry. So I, I wanted to give crediting to our creators of the character. So we've got Namor was created by Bill Everett. Cap is created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. The original Human Torch by Carl Burgos. Namorita was also created by Bill Everett in 1972. So that was, I found that kind of interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, and actually I didn't know Namorita was around since 1972. I thought she was more like later 90s. Like when an she, 80s kid. Yeah, that's what I thought too. That's when yeah. she came into her own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spitfire, Union Jack, Masterman, and Warrior Woman were all created by... Roy Thomas and Frank Robbins during the Invader series. The second Union Jack was created by Roger Stern and John Byrne. And Axelnacht, the current villain, was created by John Byrne for the story. And so I, there we go. <laughs> I found out some stuff here while you were going through that. Um, as regards to the Namer series, uh, you know, John does not. He, uh, I did a search basically of his website and found a discussion where he said he doesn't recall the precise circumstances of his leaving Namor, but it was something about overlapping deadlines. Um, and then he also said technically he didn't pitch Namor. Uh, one of Shooter's rules was that characters who lost their own titles reverted to the editorial office of the book they started. So he reverts back to the Fantastic Four. And while John had been thinking for a while what he might do with Namor, there was a series of editorial shufflings, and Namor landed in Terry Cavanaugh's lap, Terry Cavanaugh being the editor. And Terry had the idea of playing up the businessman angle and asked John if he'd be interested in developing, developing that. And that's where John had already arrived with his own thoughts on there, so he was glad to jump on. He was unhappy to leave the book when it was, simply because he had a great fondness for the character. Now, as far as the whole, you know, mental imbalance thing, that was actually Roger Stern's idea to, to come up with the fix for that as an explanation for Namor's mood swings. Yeah. Well, I know he plays because he would, well, we kind of didn't cover this, but he was writing Iron Man at the same time he was doing these books. And of course, he we mentioned he was doing, he just started OMAC over DC. You know, I, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about that, Tim, and I'm pretty sure he had to have comp done OMAC before then, before all this. I, well, I think it's, this is just when it got released. Maybe. He may have already finished. Yeah, he may have finished it, but it was, I mean, it's in his chronology yeah. as, as, you know, 1 and 10 coming out at the time, same time. And there's a couple other uh, notes that I couldn't find um, reference to. He did um, Mickey Mouse Adventures number 8. I couldn't find any credit for that uh flash tv special number one i couldn't find anything for that um he did a couple you know the what the you know the kind of comedy issues they were doing he yeah. did um a story for that uh which is a christmas one 
It was a Doctor Doom special, and he did a couple of covers for him. I think the Flash story may actually be in that DC universe by John Byrne Omnibus. I have to look that, that all now. But I know since he was have. doing, because uh, I think I was I was reading Iron Man because that's when Romita Jr. was doing the artwork. But I wasn't, I don't think, conscious that Byrne was just was writing it because I was, you know, back then you're, you're always artist kind of focused. So I was focused on the art. I didn't realize Byrne was writing it. But he was kind of crossing these stories because he had the Mars twins in the Iron Man book, I believe. They were doing something with Stark. They were trying to screw around with him or something. So he was kind of cross-pollinating these two stories. I've been reading those, and I haven't gotten to them yet, and I'm, I think I'm like two issues in. <laughs> That's some of the subplots up that I, I understand why he left it out, but there's that, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, the the Danny Rand story. Yeah. Um, that kind of, that doesn't really play any part in this story at all. Yeah, yeah interesting. Just, go ahead. It's, it's, I'm sure they're leading up to interesting things, and uh, I have all of these all of his run except issue one <laughs> and uh i just haven't got a chance to revisit all of the the entire series which i'd like to do at some point yeah i haven't read these since since they, they came out 20 years ago this is the, you know i read them and bagged them and put them away but i thought it was interesting that he is kind of revisiting because you know he brought the human this is Right. This is after he brought the human torch back in west mm-hmm. coast avengers correct yes yeah. right so yeah. he's kind of playing in that sandbox and uh and i don't know i know on the well since you had i don't know if i'm going to spill things on the danny rand thing or not for you john but that's no, it's okay uh you know that turns out to be super scroll that's yeah not- you know it's it, it's funny because i i read reread the entire namor series about a, uh, right after you and i completed our alpha flight issue with super scroll it made me want to read more super scroll so i just went and started namor from the beginning and this kind of ties in this kind of ties in with that issue with him yeah coming back so cool that's that's cool and did he resolve that in the, in the own book here as super scroll because oh um, yes it, it seems like up. uh super scroll is his favorite villain <laughs> and he does super scroll the best yeah absolutely yeah but anyway, there were so going. many books though that, that he had. Because um, Tim, you've gone over some of them, but I don't think you got every one of them, did you? Let's well, see. I mean, I, like I said, I uh, he was doing Iron Man, and he, also I've got that he did what it's just called a Superman one, two, or two, three, and four. That was a British book. Was it okay? Was it a yeah. reprint of something? I, I don't know. I just know it was a British book. I would assume that it's got to be reprints of, of his uh, earlier stuff. Yeah. And it, I'm looking up the Mickey Mouse Adventures because I had that at one time. Uh, I don't see that. He did in my uh, Marvel Comics Presents 71. He was a cover artist on that. Uh, what the number 11? He was just a cover artist. Uh, he did Web of Spider Man. He was a writer on that number 73. Um. And it listed Uncanny X-Men 273, but I couldn't find any his credit on that book. Yeah, uh, Uncanny X-Men 273. That was a, a one-page thing, if I remember right. And I'm going to pull that and up they, right here. And there was the Marvel... You know, they did those kind of year-review uh, books, magazines. 
he's credited for that, so he must maybe maybe he's an interview or something inside that. So it wasn't like big. And of course, there were some things that they reprinted. Um, I think they reprinted. Sorry, John. I just want to kind of take over what you were doing here. <laughs> <laughs> they reprinted panels or covers representative of uh, the story. It was uncanny. Well, they reprinted a trade trade bag for uh, Days of Future Past. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, X Men two seventy three was one where they had so many different writers come in and do a page or two. Wolf Patricio, Klaus Jansen, John Byrne, Rick Leonardi, Mark Silvestri. Michael Golden, Larry Stroman, and of course Jim Lee with Scott Williams. And I remember the the pages that Byrne did of the X-Men in there drew some uh, questions from people because Storm, you know, didn't, you know, he'd made Storm look so different from the way he'd drawn her before. It was like she's a completely different person, just has white hair. Hmm. Um, but I, he's sitting there drawing in that style of, uh, he, you can see he's got a little Portacio or a little uh, Scott Scott Williams in his uh, in in the way he's drawing things, the style that he's drawing the X Men for. The, it's just two pages, uh, page nine and eleven, that uh, that he drew. Oh, and twelve. I'm sorry, thirteen. Well, John, since you're the kind of resident, uh, well, I might call you the resident uh, invaders. Um, expert I, that's a huge blind spot for me I, have, I don't think I've read any of that or uh, how long did that series run so the originals the invaders were introduced in 1969 in an Avengers issue and basically it was cap the human torch and submariner at the time and then in 1975 Roy Thomas decided to do a series in World War II or However, it came about. I'm not quite sure all, all that, but uh, it started with a giant size edition, and uh, eventually, Bucky and and a sidekick to the Human Torch named Toro, which was a young mutant boy who could also flame on, were introduced in the Invaders, and that was kind of the Invaders for a few issues, and then they sent them over to England, and we we see new all of these great characters introduced: Spitfire, Union Jack, Baron Blood. Uh, Master Man, Warrior Woman, <laughs> Lotus, so many cool things that happened, including the Kid Commandos, the Liberty Legion was brought in. So uh, it lasted about, uh, well, it lasted 41 issues with a wow. uh, couple of giant sizes in there, and uh, then it ended. So that was probably, what, 41 issues would be, what, like 1978 or 9? Uh, when did you uh, say they first appeared? In 69? In, in 1969, Avenger 71. Avengers 71, okay. Hmm. And that was Roy yeah. Thomas also, right? Yes. Well, yes. I know Roy Thomas loves the Invaders, and he loves uh, he loves a lot of that Gold Age. Um, he loves that Golden Age stuff. His All-Star Squadron run yeah, uh, over at DC was amazing. <laughs> it was a great, great, great run on that. Okay, I, you said it was Avengers 71? Yes, yes. it's the Grandmaster yeah, uh, story yeah, arc and, with Kang. It, it, this is really funny because um, around the time that I started uh, picking up the Avengers, I started the Avengers with issue uh, 200. That's the first one I'd ever seen in a comic book. It was, it was uh, at a, a Stuckey's on the road as we're driving cross country. One of the um, best covers. <laughs> yeah, one of the best covers and one of the craziest uh, uh, stories horrible, even horrible today. Story, people yeah. Are still, yeah. But uh, the the thing is, is that the next thing that I actually got, it wasn't this issue of the Avengers, but it was a reprint right. of this issue of the Avengers. 
And I remember that. And at the same time, I picked up a reprint of a Namor story that had him going up against the Human Torch. It actually turned out to be Toro. And yes. the issue actually turned out to be the death of Toro at the hands of the Mad Thinker. Right. And that's just, I mean, I just find all that really interesting considering this is the first appearance of the Invaders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. The Invaders have been revised a few times since then. Um, in 2004, there was a short series called New Invaders. There was a 12-issue maxi-series called Avengers Slant Invaders in 2007, which is actually pretty interesting. Uh, I thought there could have been some better stuff in it, but it was actually a pretty decent uh, story. The Invaders Now came out in 2010. That was also a mini-series, and then they were relaunched with a Volume 3 last year in 2019, which I haven't read yet. Uh, the art seemed a little in, uh, odd to me, and it featured a lot of the... I, I don't know. I just I just haven't picked it up yet, so I, I'm probably going to try to maybe get it on Comixology or something and just have a little read-through. That'll be kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. You can get the Invaders Classic, the complete collection, 75 to 79... Uh, the comicsology you can get the digital for twenty dollars for nineteen dollars. The paperback is one hundred and thirty, so it either must be out of print. Yeah, there the original reprints, the trades came out in four volumes called Classic Invaders, and uh, I have all of those thankfully. And then the Omnibus came out uh, a couple years ago that supposedly collected the entire series. So that's probably what you're seeing on Comixology that's now. That's probably what it is. Yeah, and that's a great price. Them, yeah. I thought there was a reboot of the Invaders series that ran just prior to Avengers Dissembled. Um, and it ran about nine issues, as I recall, and then just very suddenly kind of stopped. And in hindsight, it, uh, it appeared to me that it's because they were clearing the board to do Avengers Dissemble. They were giving Bendis control over everything, and it's like, oh, oh, stop this. Do you guys recall that? The art is very, very funny colored. Was that the Invaders Now from 2010, maybe? I thought it, maybe, but I thought it was earlier than that. This was just before the uh, Secret Invasion, the whole uh, Avengers Dissembled storyline where Bendis for seven years got to, to play in the, the Avengers sandbox. Mm. This was just like the year before it. Yeah. Maybe it was new invaders and th that came out in 2004. That would make sense. And that yeah. ran about nine issues. Do you have that? It was, I don't have it, but it was not a long run. It right. Didn't last right. long. I'm yeah. not sure that it caught, caught on either. Go ahead. So no. you're saying there is yes. an Avengers invaders run from like 2008. Maybe that's what, um, Again, I, I don't. I know so little about the invaders, other than the fact I know that they exist. Yeah, uh, the the original series was really interesting. I I really enjoyed it as a kid. I still enjoy visiting it now. A lot of people don't like the artwork by Frank Robbins. I love Frank Robbins's artwork, and I think it's very fitting for the 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 style that was created for the series at the time. I, to me, it really evoked the. Uh, callback to World War II and kind of it, it gave it its own character. It was very different from everything else we had. And um, 
I just overlooked uh, I overlooked all of the things that people point out about his artwork that they don't like. And I'm like, I don't care. I really like, I liked it. It was great. And they introduced some really cool characters. Well, wasn't Kirby was Kirby back at Marvel in 75, 79? Was he, he was. doing I think he did a couple of covers, perhaps, but uh, I'm not quite sure for sure. But I think he probably did a couple of covers, but he didn't do any of the interiors. Because it looks like that would be something they would go right to him and say, maybe maybe they did and he didn't want to do it. But um, that seemed like something that would be right up his alley to do that type of... Uh, uh, well, that Kirby type. came I'll, back and, and did some Captain America for the Kirby period that was pretty much disconnected from just about everything else in the, the uh, Marvel Universe. And the other product that he was allowed to do were very strange um, offshoots. The Black Panther 2001, uh, Devil Dinosaur. Said Devil Dinosaur uh, was about this time, wasn't it? Commandy. I mean, yeah. all, all of that. He didn't go back to the Fantastic Four, although he may have done a couple of covers. And he didn't go back to... Thor or to Captain America, it's almost like, I don't know whether he said he didn't want to go back and revisit that, or if the powers that be wouldn't let him, but it was an awkward period. I don't think he was well received coming back to Marvel for a number of reasons. The world had moved on. Yeah, well, that, that's that's a shame, but yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Well, if anything, these three issues have made me want to reach. You know, maybe I'll uh, get this um, this collection because it's made really made me want to go back and read these Invader stories. I like Roy Thomas as a writer, so um, and pretty good kind job. of Silver Age stuff is you know, or that's actually Bronze Age uh, is usually pretty good. Yeah. So let's hey. get to these books so we can. Actually, I just need to interrupt for one more thing. You know, we were talking earlier about uh, what else he was doing at that time, and they had the Flash TV special. Uh, I actually have a digital copy of that, and I found that he'd written one of the stories in it, not drawn it, but just written it, The Quick and the Dead. And uh, that's that's his contribution there. His Flash, other Flash work was much, much later, about 1998. I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) That's all right. So, issue 10, let's start off right here. Uh, cover, neighbor crashing through, human torch, and a mummified figure on, on tables down there with a, a doctor and a mysteriously blonde-haired man. Uh, what do you guys think of that cover? Does it interest you? or? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, what the heck? <laughs> human torch? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like it's 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 got like so much that you want to see in a Marvel comic. And, uh, you know, for some reason, though, it made me think back to Hulk Annual 7. And I don't know what it is. There there just seemed to be some some draw on that, though. You you, are just fixated on this Hulk Annual 7 for some reason. (laughs) Everything ties back. Everything ties back. Everything ties back. Yeah. But but, you know, seeing the the blonde haired guy in the the overcoat and everything, you knew it was Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. The the doctor looks like Dr. Sato from Star Blazers. Uh, (laughs) Because he doesn't look like he does in the book. And that wasn't spring water. (laughs) <laughs> no, and I think it's interesting that a lot of these covers he's wearing, uh, Namor's wearing the trunks. Although in the book he doesn't, he dresses like dresses like Steve Jobs. Uh, but I wonder if that's just for recognition, because if this guy was yes. bursting through here in black, they're like, okay, who is this guy? But the trunks, obviously, that, that gives it away. 
I thought he was dressed more like Gordon Gecko because I always thought Steve Jobs was the kind of guy that shoot suits. Well, I mean, to, yeah. he wears suits, but a lot of times, in, like in this one, he's, it looks like he's wearing black slacks and a black either turtleneck yeah. or a mock turtleneck. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I showed images from this issue to my wife last night, and she goes, did that just come out? And I said, no, this is almost 30 years ago. And she goes, it 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 doesn't look like it's 30 years old. It looks, it looks like it could have come out today. Wow. And that's right, that Burns' work is timeless, you know, in, in the way that he does. There may be some styles that we see from time to time. Like, if you look at Lois Lane and Man of Steel and all the changes that she did, you saw all that was really, really 80s. Yeah. But yeah. The, the, the clothing styles in the 90s seem to get us into a more timeless area. I, and I it think, was never more I, I got to disagree with there, Brian, because that's one of my notes at the the fashion throughout these three issues. And but we've always talked about Byrne has been very mm-hmm. like unlike other artists, he's very conscious of actual fashion. Uh, and this just reeks of fashion. I mean the, the the big leather coats, the high collars. I thought it, it just reeked of the nineties. So that that to me that dates the book only because of the fashion in it. Hmm. I thought they were German fashions. Yeah, <laughs> that could be. That could be. It could no, be that specifically. That. That's what it evokes for me. Yeah, every time I've been over to Europe, boy, they love leather. Well, Just because it gets cold. Black leather. <laughs> yeah, black oh. leather. Well, that coat that when uh, one point in Mastermind, he's dressed as like the Terminator. He's got that big black coat. He's got the big um, kind of uh, uh, the weird sunglasses. They're almost like uh, triangular type sunglasses. But yeah. And then that severe. And then, of course, the pencil skirts. You know, we all know Byrne loves a woman in a tight pencil skirt and that there throughout Namorita, uh, that, warrior woman. That's, be- that's because pencil skirts help women to run faster. Mm. Well, I, 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 I do so. have a question though, and it goes towards the end of it though, but does, you know, does Spitfire always wear clothes made of unstable molecules, even in her, in her seventies? <laughs> because as soon as she de-aged and she shrunk down, Boy, the, the, the you know the clothes that she was still wearing just fit tight like a glove. <laughs> yeah, a creative license. So, so the the story opens up in 1945. We're, we'll get back on track here, so we can get through this. So we're not here all day. <laughs> but good points. Uh, with Baron Struker. Now, first I was like, who is this? And I'm like, ah, it's Baron Struker. Uh, and uh, and this this short little guy. Uh, looking over Berlin's burning and we're looking over a bunch of um, equipment and stuff. And it's not a typical splash page. It's, it's really like a story page. I find that interesting, uh, I guess, because it's the prologue. And, uh, and then we turn the page and we get this wonderful image of master man and warrior woman. Uh, they're the ones that they're going to put into suspended animation because Baron von Strucker realizes that the war is over and they need to rise another day. And then that's the end of the flashback. And uh, I really wish that on this page he would have had more focus on Masterman and Warrior Woman because they were really two of my favorite villains from the original run. Wow. Did you hear the German accents <laughs> when you were reading von Strucker? <laughs> of course. <laughs> ready, ready once hey. again to serve. <laughs> John, let me well, ask have... you: Was Master Man's name? It's uh, what Wilhelm Lamer. Was that established in uh, the original run, or was that something Byrne came up with? 
Nope, Willie Lomer is his name, and it was his name. He's basically a Captain America analog. Right. He was a weakling. He was very, uh, and I, very, you know, not very aggressive as a person. And then uh, he volunteered for the Nazis' uh, version of the super soldier serum. They thought they had the formula, so they made their own, and they injected it in him. And then he, of course, got all of the the bigger powers, the more aggressive nature, more confidence, things like that. And well, it sounds uh, it sounds like when they made Red Skull for the Captain America, the first Avenger, they conflated his origin with uh, the Red Skulls. Well, I just wonder know, if, Sk- if Willie Lamer is a playoff <laughs> of Willie Loman. I was thinking yes. the same thing, death of a salesman. Because <laughs> he's like an average Joe who can't get a break, you know, so that's why I thought, well, that's, that's got to be Roy Thomas having a little fun with us there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Warrior Woman's origin is very similar. She was actually a Nazi spy, and they were trying to recreate a a serum as well that she was trying to get the ingredients or the recipes for. And and uh, she was dating a comic book artist (laughs) who (laughs) who who the Germans thought knew the secret to because he was a Captain America artist and so they thought that he knew the secret to the super soldier serum so they were trying to perfect it and then through a series of accidents kind of like the flash an explosion and she ended up uh, also empowered and uh, brought in but she was already um, she was already on the nazi path and uh, aggressive and confident and uh, so it just enhanced all of that with her and and uh, created that so, uh, so anyway, so those that's that's pretty much their origins. They're ba- basically the same same as Captain America's, but they were <laughs> they really came back a lot of times and plagued the uh, the invaders. It was nice to see them come back. Yeah. And the really kind of fun backstory is is uh, <laughs> that Roy made with this is that oh, Hitler thought that they would be a great couple to reproduce so that they could reproduce the the master race and so he ordered them to be married and warrior woman was like i'm not marrying him i don't <laughs> i want nothing to do with him and he's like oh yeah that's great and uh so the part of their wedding was is that the invaders broke it up but the in the, just before the priest could say i now pronounce you man and wife he was killed by rubble <laughs> so oh man uh, in her mind, that meant they weren't married. But in his mind, uh, the, the, he was like, the Fuhrer ordered us married. So that means we're married, even even if it didn't happen. <laughs> well, there's a little bit, and this this sounds insensitive. I apologize ahead of time. They, they seem like there's a little bit of a lesbian vibe going on with her. Yes. But then later she succumbs to, and maybe that's on purpose, she succumbs to the new, uh, to her knock. When he's kind of putting the the moves on her, she's kind of smitten with him. Uh, she does. She hates. She doesn't like um, Master Man because she once she thinks I think he th- thinks he's adult. But yeah, uh, uh, I, I never took it as being that she was lesbian. It was just that she was very feminist and and not maybe in a that's bad what way. I'm, it's just like I don't need I don't need men telling me what to do. I'm powerful. <laughs> I can do things on my own and. Especially if she's being told that Master Man is the symbol of the perfect Aryan, you know, specimen. Yeah. And here he is yeah. just a, a plotting, clotting, you know, dummy. Yeah. Well, maybe my 20th century caveman brain is reading that 
strong female uh, as, as lesbian, so I apologize to the listeners. If that's no, the case. I, I picked up on that too, Tim. Oh. I and think you And it's possible. I, I don't know. It's just um but yeah, she's but uh the there was brain damage as we'll find out in the story and uh so it just kind of did affect the way that she reacts to things. Could be. So did and I'm gonna ask yeah. I know we're kinda of jumping ahead, but is anybody yeah. everybody I guess we're all reading the same scans, right? Or are you reading your actual copies, John? I have actual copies. Does um, Hernock look purple in the actual book? Yes, he does. Uh, Hernock, uh, yeah, there was, there was times. Now, I've actually got a uh, Kindle trade of, of all the Namer issues. And I was looking at that because the scanned issues I had, the color was off. And I don't know if that's the way the, the, the printed issues looked. I, As I recall, they did look... So the coloring was was strange on specific pages, but it was a choice. It was not by accident. So he, yeah, he is know, purple in the book. Yeah, I didn't know if he was supposed to be like, supposed to be a tan. They don't, it's never addressed. Is that a side effect of the formula, or why? Why is he? Uh, he looks like the purple man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> why? Because the rest of the coloring is fine. Everything else, the rest of the book is. Yeah. I mean, other than duotone, which kind of pulls me out a little bit. Um, what page are you on? Yeah, what no, you're position? you're right. It, he's he definitely does look a, a little purplish in the skin skin he tone. Is, he is colored. It is a colored a purple tone. So, and I thought it was addressed, but I can't remember exactly where. But oh. yeah, he he definitely it is definitely a color choice. And that's in issue eleven, Kirk. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't show up till. Um... Yeah. But as we go through this issue, we've got some of these plot pages. Uh, in issue 10, do you guys have any favorite parts that uh, kind of stood out to you? You know, I, the thing I really like in this is that, and I hadn't noticed it, of, you know, of Burns' work at the time, whether it was She-Hulk or, or whatever, and I, you know, I haven't looked back at OMAC in a while. But the way he's doing the layout of these pages is that he's just, it's like he's drawing a bunch of panels and then placing them on the page where he wants them. You know, it's like he's just got a page of white and so he's drawing a panel. He's going, well, I can put this here and this here and this here rather than just drawing a full page. You mean like a cut and paste? Yeah. Like I mean, because you can see that the panels are, are taking the borders rather than the other way around. And you're seeing, you know, he's only he's drawing it in a very economical way. You know, it's interesting that I just picked up when she started talking about the panels is that there's like a giant black panel behind everything. Yeah. Yes. In the yeah. center. He was yeah. getting into that. Uh, that was uh, that was a style of the day, and he really lampoons it in the uh, in an issue of She-Hulk. Okay. I won't go into that right now, but it's pretty damn funny. Okay, yeah, I, I I just kind of noticed that now. I was like, oh wait, there's all this stuff. Um, the blacks in here are really kind of strange. Uh, the black colorings I like on the jacket and uh, in the shadow work and stuff. 
I, I just found this this coloring style. Uh, I don't know if it's coloring or if it's just the printing style. Is it the printing style? Because it's it's really kind of strange well, to me. I'm I'm looking at the page where uh, Namor and Namorita are both on the the jet flying to Germany, and of course he's wearing you know an all black outfit, and yeah. they, there's no lines anywhere. You just see the black. So you don't see, you know, any ruffling or wrinkles or, or whatever, and you should at least see lint or something on the shoulders. I don't know, but uh, yeah, but you know, it's it's that's that's something that he did a lot of with Namor wearing a lot of black. You know, he would just and he did that in Next Men as well, where he would he would draw the figure. If he did it all in black, you couldn't see any of the folds or anything of of, of the clothes that they were wearing. You just saw it in all black. Yeah. I think that works. I mean, I, I, yeah, it does. You, you would think I could see where somebody might say, "Well, that's just lazy because you don't have the drawing; you just have to draw the shape." But I think it works. Yeah. Um, well, the the I think what you're referring to, Brian, on the plane is where in this the him on the right, it's a nice rich black. But the one on the left, like there's the printing is off or something, and it's more of a, a gray. Where mm-hmm. He should be all black, and I don't know if that's that's just probably a a printing mistake, but. Yeah, I'm which, trying to pull up the Which page is that? Page 11. Okay. Uh, as I look at it, I'm seeing both the left panel and the right panel where he's kind of laying back. They're both jet black in my image. I don't see any distinction at Mine's all. Mine's not, so maybe it's my scan. No, the original copy, uh, the left panel is slightly grayer instead of yeah. straight black. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And I don't know if that has to do with yeah. the way they print it, but all the, all the blacks are pretty heavy and throughout the whole book. I mean, the, like I said, the book is a little dark, uh, and it's a little. I had some. I had to zoom in some on the lettering, and I don't, again, it may be my, a bad scan, but to read some of the lettering, I had to kind of zoom in to make out what was uh, what was being said. Yeah, and 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 when he had those, I guess, competing word balloons, sometimes they would mash into each other and actually cause a compression of words yeah they are a little muddled yeah. and I mean this is this is burn writing a lot a lot a lot I mean there's a lot of exposition in this and that's true this is something he's gotten away from in the later years he's he's definitely not as verbose I think he had to now. kind of explain a lot but yeah that's right yeah not only yeah. educate the reader but also he's trying to tie loose threads together and so he has to educate those who are not familiar with the storyline not familiar with the politics and set his story so I, I have a lot of respect that he's done a lot of research and structured this very carefully well in fact he's yeah. also tying into his other books too which is nice yeah I was going to say I really like the Captain America exercising page that's really nice wasn't that a great page my far, probably favorite part, if I, you know, John asked for us, is it doesn't have anything to do with the main story. It's the Danny Rand scene with uh, Misty Knight, where he, he basically yeah. blasts her arm in half. Uh, because that, I mean, if you if you were were not reading anything else, and you were this is really out of character. Like, why is he doing? I thought because I didn't realize that this was not him. This was the Super Squirrel. I thought this was really. I, I thought. I felt something was wrong the first time I saw him when he did the thing with the arm. Well, yeah, that and seems he's yeah, supposed to like, be using the Iron a, Fist. That's a pretty ex- oh, you mean the way that it's drawn? Yeah, it, it to me, I was like, that's not the way the Iron Fist was ever done. 
And mm-hmm. I went back and read the burn issues, even the Marvel team up just because I was like, that doesn't look right. And, you know, so I mean, the thing is, I'd, I'd always hated the way that Iron Fist was dispatched with at the end of Power Man and Iron Fist. It made no sense to me um, when they when they did that. So, you know, all this was just like, what is really going on here? Because that to me, that wasn't Danny Rand. Nothing that he did seemed to be like Danny Rand. So, well, I think that's yeah, again, that's going to keep you coming back to find out what the yeah. story is. As it should be. He, he yeah. was intentionally writing him a little off and giving you subtle, well, we're going to get into the uh, the other issue if we go down this rabbit hole, but mm-hmm. he was intentionally signaling something isn't right here. I, at first, looking at the face, thought that that was Steve Rogers. I had to go back and read that two or three times and went, oh, oh, wait a minute. They just happened to look similar. Blonde, great chin, yeah. you know, muscle man. <laughs> Yeah. 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 That this that definitely happened a lot in this era because what we're going to see, you know, I mean, we're not going to see Steve Rogers out of mass, but we're going to see Hank Pym. We're going to see yes. uh, Human Torch, yes. two Human Torches. Um, you know, and the, the only blonde haired, blue eyed guy that looks different, of course, is Masterman. Yeah. And he looks more like Dolph Lundgren. Because he's got that. That's, that's probably on purpose. And it's also very much reminiscent of the way he was drawn in the original series. That severe buzz cut. Yeah, that high buzz cut. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... Hot top, yeah. But, uh... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, you know, I mean, Tim and I have both intimated this before, but, you know, it's like looking at at when Byrne is doing these close-up shots of the characters... It's where the duo shade really hurts the imagery. I think there's a, and I don't have the page number on this. Let me see if I can locate it with this. What? Uh, um, yeah, it's no, the page isn't numbered there either. Which, but it's the page where they're looking at warrior woman wrapped up as a mummy. Yes. Uh, there and, and on the bottom panel, you see Masterman's face close up, and that duo shade is just like disrupting it rather than accentuating it because in yep. every shadowed spot he's used the duo shade in there and it just doesn't look right it looks like it should be more used for uh non-organic items yeah hmm. well it's interesting because he didn't start this series with the 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 duo shade i don't know i don't know what issue he started it but i know the first uh at least the first couple ones were not they were just regular pen and ink it wasn't um it wasn't this technique, and I don't know how long he carried this on. Um, and I, you know, I applaud him for trying something different. You know, you know, there's, yeah. there's yeah, new tools. The thing new is, tools I, I like, there. I love the use of duo shade in Omac. Yeah, I which think was more it's... controlled and and you know it works, of course, with the black and white. Um, it's just here, it it seems like overkill. But it's like it's it's almost like. His, the work he's doing on Star Trek New Visions or was that's that's a new tool he had and he was exploring it and he was going to try it out you know if it works it works obviously he didn't go back to it um, so I think it was time well, con- did we say it was, it's a little more time consuming isn't it they discontinued it oh maybe that's it I don't uh, yeah but so well now we get to the point where uh we're going to actually try to revive her. It's kind of like a Bride of Frankenstein thing, isn't it? Very, when yeah. you very much. <laughs> I was just about to say that. 
<laughs> it's even more when they actually do revive her. It's a little more. Uh, yeah, fun. page twenty four and twenty five. Yeah. Of course, battle ensues, but I love lives. how the doctor's like, "She lives." Yeah, <laughs> and that's a great shot. That's that's uh, of her coming, um, uh, kind of coming to with all the bandages, and th- th- a lot of this story has a very kind of hammer feel to it. The horror yes. aspects of it, and the yeah. Nazis. So, yeah, is this character yeah, this? Is it Strauss? What's his name? Krauss. Krauss. Is he in Krauss. the original run? I I don't remember him from the original run, so he might have just been brought in yes. for this for this for this story. I'm looking him up right now to see if yeah. that... as we read more in the next couple of issues here, there are veiled references to what's that smell? Yeah, I didn't yes. remember that from the original when I first read it. So I was a little bit lost and trying to figure out what they're talking about. And then the payoff at the end, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That was yeah, foreshadowing. He, Got it. He's yeah. a burn creation for the Submariner. But, okay. Well, okay. and he hits it. They says like, oh, no. You know, if, if, if my apparatus was not working, it would be much more dramatic than just a bad smell. Uh, and then we get that great kind of Raiders scene where he, yeah. he kind of melts. Yeah. So the, the issue ends with uh, Namor getting clocked by a, a mum, uh, bandaged fist and it's revealed that a warrior woman has been revived and she's standing there with Master Man triumphant uh, standing over them, <laughs> over over Namor at the end. And with the uh, very uh, bold reunion with the Nazi swastika there for the next issue. Yeah. She looks better um, with her hair down. Then with that severe bun she's got later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who would you cast as her? Gina Carano? Uh, she's not not well, she needs somebody tall. I think you'd have to you know, I would say Gal Gadot because uh she's tall enough. I think Gina Carano's not, like I mean quite Gal low. Gadot's never considered full bodied. You know, I mean you need someone in She Hulk proportions. Well, that's true. Um, for her. And that of course, you know, leads you into a lot of there's very few women. I remember there was a. She was a. She did some sort of Playboy After Dark show where they did a night court kind of thing. And Julie Strain, she was also in the Heavy Metal 2000 animated movie. Mm-hmm. If you look her up, she 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 could uh, she could do it or she could do. I she tell you, could have done it is, and I think she's too old now. Is uh, and I don't yeah. know her name. The oh. woman from Third uh, Rock from the Sun, that played the. She's pretty oh, tall. Kristen, Kristen something? Yeah. She's tall, and I think she's got the figure for it. She's too yeah, old she now. Could've. But she could have yeah. done it then. Yeah, and I was saying the same thing about Julie Strain, because she's almost 60 at this point, but she would have she would, she would have had the physique. She had the right physique for it. Yeah. yeah. So that takes us to issue 11, with a, I think is really a great cover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this cover reminded me, and I tried to find some, I tried to research it. This cover looks like an homage to something he's done before, but I couldn't find, I, I know he's done something where someone, you see someone. Acts of Vengeance. Is it? It's the Acts of Vengeance where you see all the villain's legs standing around the shattered uh, shield of Captain America and the broken helmet of Iron Man no, and I, all that. I, it's more of a, at first I thought it was Silver Banshee, but I looked it up, it wasn't it. Then I thought it was. He does some I thought similar in the uh, the Metal Man, oh. but they're just kind of standing around him when he did action comics. I just have a a, 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 a thought a, rem- a 
let me back up. I have a memory of like a figure standing on another figure like this that he's done, but I couldn't find. Yeah, well, the thing was there was a couple Silver Banshee issues that that he did. I mean, um, her first appearance was in what issue? Eight or something. It was her second. It was the second. The second in issue seventeen of Superman. It's a, a skeletized Superman body and costume on the ground, and Silver Banshee's walking over. Maybe him. that's what I'm thinking. Maybe that's what I'm remembering. Anyway, yeah, Superman seventeen. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a great issue. I mean, it's a great cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so uh, it is a good cover, and I like it a lot too. Uh, it's it's great in its shadow. It's you know, for those of us who know Masterman and what we're when we know who's standing there, and uh, it's pretty cool. And then it leads into what I think is really a necessary and well done seven page recap. It is, and that splash page where his his face that's is kind so of messed up. Just, that, but that's gorgeous. I mean, that's where the the duotone works because it's it's um, the detail is closer. Yeah, Kirk, and, did you just turn your camera on? I'm looking at somebody's camera. It's not mine. It's not. It's it's, I think it's Kirk. I'm looking at Kirk. Yeah, Kirk, your, your camera's on. Can you hear us? He can't. Oh, oh wait, wait. help! Call dump me. Call dump me. Let me. Uh, okay, so I'll try and reconnect him here. That's um, nice. Oh. That's it. That's kind of cool. It's like something from a film. This is weird because it's Kirk at the bottom of the ocean and he can't communicate, so he's got this sign. Okay, let me. While he does that, I'm going to talk again. Talk about how gorgeous this. Uh, I love the effect, and I just love the detail on it. Well, uh, I like it too because he's obviously he's dehydrated. He's trapped in this. Um, this apparatus to keep him dehydrated and we're you just show the anguish on his face and yeah. the fact that these different boxes are kind of like askew and crooked is showing the disorient it's giving you without saying what oh he's and, doing, and yeah, what he's going disoriented haze namor remembers it's just like you know that it's he's disoriented and and hallucinating which i thought was a i thought it's a really great or very effective thing as well. I do like the little kind of snot-nosed young, uh, young submariner um, <laughs> with Lady Dorma. Yeah. Well, I thought it was also interesting that when the, I agree, this is a great recap because this kind of tells you everything you need to know uh, about things and the way he has. Oh, there we go. The way he's drawn Namor differently. When he's with, when he, it's a flashback. He's got that more triangular, angled head. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the, the, the hairstyle there. Very much like how it was done way back in the exactly. in the forties. Right. Yeah. I think he's kind of mimicking that, uh, that style. And this does give a very, a very good recap of who the invaders are, their connection to each other. And Masterman and Warrior Woman, we get more of Warrior Woman's origin than Masterman's here. Uh, so there you can see, like on page six, <laughs> the uh, the explosion and uh, 
how it creates how it infuses her so it's kind of like that flash style of origin with the chemicals and the electricity mm. exploding yeah and, you know the thing is is that we've been seeing burn do these kind of explosions you know in omac we saw it you know first page and we see this here and we're probably we're going to see some more later as we get into the book but this yellow and black explosion thing i'm not a fan of it I mean, if he did it without the yellow in there, if he utilized something else, it'd probably be more effective. But that's just me. Well, do you think it's wrong. do you think it's because of the duotone style of the artwork, or just you just don't like the yellow highlights of it? He's done some really interesting black Kirby crackle within the explosions themselves, mm-hmm. and you know he's got a bunch of areas, in, and it could be just the 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 choice of the color of yellow. The, the the shade of yellow that's being used and and this is the one area where the yellow is a little bit sloppy too I mean if you look in the areas it kind of goes outside the line so to speak well, um, I, I think your choice would have been either red or yellow and mm-hmm. red might have made, would uh, I think he's trying to emulate a very bright flash and right. I think if you use red that would dampen it down a little bit uh and you, you know, this has got a lot of great Kirby Crackle. I think it's a kind of um, a throwback to a he ever saw Kirby. He would represent something that's very bright a lot of times with a lot of black and white. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make sense, but it, it worked great to show something that's, that's very bright, almost like a white blue light. And I think that's what he's going for here. Uh, or maybe he just thought the red might have made it a little too heavy. But uh, I, I agree with you. Brian, I think some of the yellows in this, especially the yellow he uses on um, Kraus, is a little. Uh, the the yellow on Kraus though was on purpose, I think. Yeah, for, it's, it's to give him kind of that a, a pallor, kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do like her expression the next page when she's kind of transformed. You know, it's kind of instantaneous. Yeah. You know, that evil yeah. that you know that. It tells you everything in her face right there. I've got what I wanted. This is what yep. I, you know, and now I've, you know, now I'm going to, and I just feel sorry for the guy, <laughs> the GI that's tied to the chair because they'll tell him what you did to him. <laughs> exactly. And then we get into this great recap of Fantastic Four number four. Yep. Uh, finding him in the, the, uh, the hobo the place, house, yeah. you know, the homeless shelter there and the and human torches there. That was the first Marvel number four that brought back a Golden Age character, right? Fantastic Four number four. Because, yeah, I mean, Fantastic Avengers. Four was the earliest book of, of, in the new Marvel Age of Comics. But, yeah, it's like Fantastic Four, then the Avengers brought back Captain America, right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, Avengers came later, I think. Yeah. 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 And, and the pow, wham, bam, or that he's drawn these figures exactly the way Kirby drew them back in issue four, which I thought was kind of a nice... Um, is this a, a page nine? Is that a recreation of that page? He's done he's done this several times. There was a Cali um, Fantastic Four Submariner special, like a, a real thick magazine sized uh, thing where they they recapped it, and he also recapped recapped this in a Fantastic Four book, but never to this level of detail. Um, yeah, I mean, what he's doing there is showing, like, Namor's face showing the shock at the fire. I thought that was really, that's a really, really good image. 
Yeah, because I think in the original Fanta, he just sits there and just lets the human torch shave him. He yeah, because uh, well, he he was a it was supposed to be like a drunk. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always just thought it was interesting that uh, here's this guy with all this long hair, this beard, and the human torch is like, oh, I recognize that guy. Even <laughs> even <laughs> <laughs> back then, that seemed kind of strange. Well, he kind of knew okay. exactly how to shave his hair down to uh, what it was, you know. But, yeah, yeah. Well, trying to add Kirk back. That um, certainly was not a very nice smell. All that burning hair, I'll yeah. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this book is all about the nice smells, <laughs> Doctor Krause. Smells and fashion—that's what this whole. Oh, uh... And now, is this woman? You know, there's the page where Anne Raymond is in the cage, looking at Namor in the 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 the, the heated up cinder block. Is the woman down in the bottom right-hand corner, she's supposed to be that same Middle Eastern woman from James Bond, you know, the Living Daylights? That's what she looks like. With the cinnamon buns on her head? (laughs) She looks like uh, the one that helped uh, get the guy across the border. Yeah. And she was used (laughs) also in, uh, golly, what was it? Fifth Element. (laughs) I I think that's a go-to stereotype of of a East German... Tough lady. <laughs> yeah. Well, still did, not able to. I don't know why they Sorry. established they they apparently they kidnapped um, uh, Anne and Anne, Anne and, and, the and the Torch at the same time, right? Yeah. Were they dating? Were they start dating after Toro died? Yeah. I, when uh, when she when he showed up with the with the West Coast Avengers, she heard about it and she went to see them to see if they could tell her what happened to Toro. And Namor was the one that um, recounted the story to someone else that told her what happened to Toro. And she's like, oh, he's dead. But she and Jim Hammond struck up a relationship because they're both from the same time. Now, I'm sorry. She looks like she's 25, you know, and just had a makeover. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Very, very young because Toro – well, the the story of Toro was actually done in like I think the early 70s or maybe even the late 60s. There was like a little backup – Thing where the Mad Thinker kidnapped Toro or something when he was a an adult and uh, and he died and Toro was killed during that battle. If I remember all that correctly, of course it's been since like 1978 since I read that. But yeah, the thinkers the thinker ship was going away. I mean, he thought that he was actually uh, Jim Hammond. He thought he was a Human Torch. And uh, during the course of the battle, he uh, falls into some water. And uh, the whatever it was that was making his hair look blonde washed out, and you could see his dark hair. And that's when Namor realized that he was Toro. And for whatever reason, as the, as the Mad Thinker's trying to escape, Toro flies into the rear of his jet, causes the whole jet to explode, making you think that the Thinker and Toro were both killed. But the Thinker obviously survived on to be a bad villain again later. You know, if and you were... You, you couldn't do it, but if you were making this film at the time, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump to the next page where we see this severe, uh, again, with the fashion for uh, Warrior Woman <laughs> and, and uh, yeah. Man. Uh, if they, you were making this at the time that this book came out, Dolph Lundgren could easily play Master Man, and mm-hmm. why not change it and make uh, Grace Jones Warrior Woman? She's got the statue, she's got that severe look, she could do it. Think of how she looked in as Mayday 
uh, oh, uh, yeah. due to a kill. You know, but just, that that unfortunately would go against Hitler's ideal. Yeah, but you'd have to uh, you'd have to write you have to come up with some reason why, you know, and that makes it a little more progressive. I mean, well, I guess you don't want to necessarily make them yeah, you, sympathetic, you, you, you know. Because, you would need somebody back. There. I mean, Gina Davis or Sigourney Weaver would be the women that would back in the day that would be capable of doing as they're much taller women compared to most. Sigourney Weaver probably would be the the best choice. Yeah, really. Gina Davis has too pretty a face. Um, anyway. Yeah. And then we're introduced to um, Axel Noct, who is the benefactor behind all this, the one who's bringing him forward. And then we find out... Is, it, is this where we find out? No, not yet. A little bit later. But, you know, we find out his plan, how he wants to seize on the opportunity of a reunified Germany to establish his empire. And, and yeah, the, he is him in the lead, yeah. He is purple for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, of course, we get another one-pager, move the story along for the Iron Fist bit. And then, uh, and then we're back to Anne getting beat up by this... <laughs> This very, very pissed off keeper. She's like, you just um, made my day worse. So, uh, but all of that definitely uh, angered Namor. And even in his weakened state, don't mess with the guy, man. <laughs> Look at him. Can one of you try to add Kirk? Uh, let me, let me, I'm, I'm giving it one last try again. And if I can, I'd like one of you guys to try. I'm back. Oh, he's back. Oh, there he is. There he is. Welcome. Right. We're just at the page where Namor is breaking out of that uh, heated cinder block contraption. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> he looks like kind of like a cooked lobster. Yeah, I noticed he was really red. The skin tone yeah. in the original issue will look so uncomfortable, so painful, like a bad sunburn. It mm -hmm. just made my skin crawl to read it. <laughs> And that goes to show how well he, how well John Byrne is great about showing that kind of stuff just with his art. I mean, mm -hmm. it it is totally evident that Namor is weakened and that he's in pain. And <laughs> yeah, well, um, well, yeah, when he comes out, I mean, one, we get a great when he's bursting out of this thing. That's a great shot of rubble. Uh, I don't know if Barney's in there somewhere, but this thing kind of <laughs> crumbling. Uh, and then when he does come out, he's the way he's drawn his body. To, uh, it doesn't look. It's almost. I don't know if those would be kind of blistered. Like blisters. I think. Yeah, you're right. I think that's supposed to look like blisters. Uh, and it keeps up that redness uh, to the rest when he's beating up the uh, these neo-Nazi punks that he thinks are the actual Nazis. Uh, yeah, I just call them thugs. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, definitely you would have thought you would have seen more bald ones there, more skinheads. <laughs> well, they've all got very '90s kind of. I mean, they've got very different. Uh, they've got typical of, kind of punk rock kind of haircuts. I one think. of them looks like my old college roommate. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the one, the one with the very short blonde hair and the the sunglasses that's the pointing that shoots, the gun right at him. Shoots yeah, Namor. the one that shoots Namor. Yeah, looks like my old college roommate. I named my son after him. Uh, <laughs> well, and these guys yeah. are very. Uh, they imply that they've already kind of, and I kept thinking, why is this woman in like a t-shirt and her underwear? 
but they imply that they've already kind of had their way with her, and uh, the head guy is going to, you know, yeah. I don't want to be, you know, a little more political correct about it, but yeah, you're right. (laughs) I didn't Uh, catch that. Well, he says... um, A little bit later on when he says... Oh, she says... Uh, before we have please finished no showing more. you our very best hospitality. Huh. Here it is. Uh, it's at the bottom. Well, the, the page isn't numbered. But when oh, yeah. Namor um, confronts him and he, in the upper left-hand panel, she's he's got a hold of her T-shirt and is pulling, saying, this would hardly be a pleasant environment for what I have in mind. She says, no, please, no more. Yeah. So I, so I got, yeah. but that they've already kind of, you know, poor Anne. Bang us all oh, no, wait a minute. The next next panel, he says, "Oh, Fra Raymond, you disappoint me. Are you are not you American or women supposed to be free and fun loving? Perhaps I should." So that implies that he has not yet, but he intends to. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's just wanting no more mistreatment. That could be it. That could be around by the the Fraulein. That's how I take it too. Yeah. Yeah. And then the bottom of that page, you get almost a Wolverine-like feral. Well, yeah. it's funny Namor. that you mentioned that. It's funny you mentioned Wolverine right there because the next page reminds me of X-Men 133. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially that bottom left panel where he is sitting there climbing up over them. That's just like Wolverine climbing yeah. up over the boxes when he's fighting against the uh, Hellfire Club. And in those three panels, did you notice the costume change? Oh, back and forth between the yeah. Nazis and, and them? Yep. I thought that yeah. was pretty yeah. effective to show his hallucinations. Yes. yes. Hey, Kirk, before we go on, uh, since you missed our earlier discussion about the opening flashback sequence, uh, real quick, how did you find that with the history of the, of the invaders, Warrior Woman, Mastermind, and all that bit? Oh, absolutely necessary for somebody who was totally unfamiliar with the invaders series I was lost until he did that. I mean, I think it's essential that he 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 do that. Again, now he's hallucinating, and there's a couple of uh, editors' boxes or caption boxes that says, "No, this isn't how it happened," or "She wasn't there." And I'm not sure why he did that, except to show that he's not in his right mind. He's not remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. But I liked it. I mean, it you know. Clearly, he's being dehydrated. He was hallucinating. It's a, a technique to, to show the flashbacks, to fill in some of the gaps. I thought it worked. Yeah, good. Yeah, it was very effective. Now, did did the bullets bounce off of Namor, or was is he just healing fast? Would be the next question. I think they, I, I have to assume they bounced off of him. I have to think they bounced off because his skin is pretty pretty tough already haven't they established that because of the depths that he goes through kind of like aquaman where his skin is like even stronger than normal yeah but uh i'm sure the impact of them hurt like heck (laughs) Uh, for most of you that don't know namer was created long before aquaman yes fact is he was he was the third marvel hero behind the human torch who's also here and angel which is not the Warren Worthington, but a different character. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you know, Namor and Human Torch were be- definitely the most well-known of the early Marvel heroes. Yeah. So they've we- established that Namor is not 
uh, impervious to bullets in the past. Now, whether or not Byrne chooses to, to do that, he has been wounded in the past. Okay. Uh, in, in other arcs, in other, other right. what do I want to say, other series, he has been shot. He's leaked blood or he's limped around or, you know, loss of blood has been part of those storylines. But let's keep moving. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because there's no evidence of that here. There's not even no. holes in his chest. So, right. So he's clocked again. Looks like by some kind of a giant chunk of metal. And then chunk all of a sudden, hits him from above. Yeah. I mean, oh, and there's it looks the guy. Like a big tube that was released <laughs> by that guy above him. I'm yeah. assuming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And then, uh, in come the invaders. And to the rescue. Back, back up for just a second. The, the page where you see the guy hanging over him with the, the chains and everything. If you look behind the guy, you've got more machinery up there that's all heavily duo shaded. It almost looks photographic. And I find that a very interesting. It, it's almost distracting on the page. Did we lose Tim? I don't think so. Sorry. Tim, you there? I was. Oh, I, I muted myself because I was coughing. Um, oh, and I've got the. He's got Sorry. the virus. <laughs> I don't have. <laughs> I don't have the COVID. Uh, so I don't know how long I've been on. I don't know how long I've been on a uh, on mute. Oh, well, uh, the scene in the, the top where he's in the rafters, that looks a lot like Klaus Jensen to me. Yeah, and I, I noticed some later that did. What is, what what is it that's uh, close to us? It looks like two round two canisters. Or like bullets flying away or something? Are they hanging off of his coat or are they something else? That's what what are you talking about? The guy oh, in the rafters? The, the guy the in the rafters. Right. Yeah, the guy in the rafters. That's a like, that's a I gas mask container. That's a German gas mask container. Okay, and it's hanging off of his his coat. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean now. Yeah, yeah, the other canteen. It, with the yeah. perspective it it could look like bullets flying away after being ejected for you know, the shell the casings being ejected or Something yeah. else, but it looks like they're in the air independent of them, just depending on how close or far away they are. And I just noticed this little detail, the guy right below him giving him the the okay, like, hey, good yeah. job, man, symbol down there. It's like, right on. Yeah. <laughs> all right, um, all right. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was an interesting perspective to do that, bring it from the top looking down to to kind of sort of bring the, the battle to a halt. Well, it's very cinematic. Yeah, the guy then, there in the in the one panel next to the bottom panel, he's got a gun in his left in his right hand, and his left hand is is held up, kind of odd. And I'm I'm trying to understand why he's got that. Like, is he doing a Heil Hitler? Or... I thought yeah, maybe he was going to slap him or something. That looks like maybe he's going to hit him. I don't know what. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, that that makes sense. No. Yeah. And then of course. The Next invaders phase. come in. The invaders come in. Absolutely. This and really then, threw me for a loop when I read this the first time. I was like, <laughs> what's going what? on? <laughs> right. But, you know, it, it's addressed. It, it's just, I like how Byrne resolves this next issue and yes. identifies who this actually is. Who they are. But I, I was scratching my head. I was like, <laughs> where are we going? It this definitely is- took a while to get there. Yeah, and then the, by the end we've got uh, the final bit, uh, and it's interesting because uh, no, I 
uh, about Willie Lomer or about Masterman flying. Um, I didn't know he could do that. I, I didn't either. Don't recall that ever being one of his things, so I, I'm not quite sure. Well, it what says it says on the uh, the Marvel Wiki that he has a low level like psionic enough that he can fly. Okay. So that I don't know. Maybe he He's didn't do that. He's also gliding. He's coming out of a very tall skyscraper. And yeah. it looks to me like he's gliding quite a bit. Yeah. But it, to my eye, he's in a Superman pose. I mean, that's what it evokes to me. Yeah. Looking at it, it's like, there's Clark, you know, there's Superman or Cal El. It's yeah. like. And what kind of office has op- uh, floor to ceiling windows that open at that level? <laughs> I guess, you know, <laughs> people's offices. Yeah. yeah. So that brings us to the next issue. The Invaders Fight Again. Now, this whole story arc doesn't have an actual title of in of itself. It's just always each chapter has a title. Um, I like to always just refer to it as the reunion. But uh, So we've got this really great cover that uh, has and the Jim original. Shooter, Jim Shooter would never have approved of this cover. Why not? Because of the, the flames on the Human Torch blocking the name of the Submariner. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah. I mean, they they cover over Marvel's first and Mighty Mutant with that <laughs> giant size anniversary issue label. Yeah, they 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 break a lot of rules there. But it doesn't matter. I mean, if if you walk into a comic book shop and you saw this, it doesn't matter if you're reading name or not. You're going to pick it up. This People is want just, to. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's Even great... with the use of the duo shade, I mean, it works works there fine for me. You know, for for this cover, and maybe it's just because it's a, it's a it's on the gloss. There, it, there's a lot, lot more color present with it. This actually works well to me. I don't but think I, it's. I do the see uh, the unusual drawing of Namer's legs, and I I noticed that around this time, that I start seeing some of the things in in Burns' art that's changing a little bit, and that's one of the things his. Uh, anatomy starts to adjust uh, a little bit in, in, in this time time period of his artwork. Well, those mm. calf muscles are really something. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't have noticed it unless you pointed <laughs> it out, but it's like, whoa. And it looks like Namor's flying, even though he doesn't have his ankle wings. That's true. Good point. Yep. Good, Good catch. And Cap's uh, little Fairbanks... Um, what do you call those things on his boots? Buccaneer boots. Buccaneer <laughs> boots. But you can see the motion in that swaying up as he's hitting his stride. Yeah. The, the way that that's belled up. Yeah. It's it really exciting. It look really huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are some. How practical are those as a fighting costume? I never had considered that before, but it's like. <sighs> that's why you don't see him now. It's flare. Oh, yeah, but they showed up right. everywhere. They showed up on on Cyclops Cap. They showed up on Cyclops. They showed up on uh, on Hawkeye, on uh, Giant Man. I mean, it was everywhere at a certain point. Yeah, but now, like, if you look at his Elswin work today, his caps the the boots are a lot more shorn in. Same with Cyclops, um, a lot more streamlined and functional. Yeah. That would make sense. So they almost look like fireman's boots. You think you could pull them up? Uh, yeah, for added protection, but you know, I don't know. They never do or, that. But or Captain Kirk's when he's pulling them up. 
<laughs> Alrighty. Yeah. Well, the story opens up with a nice little recap again. A uh, couple of pages. And Looks like even kept... the Aryan Brotherhood have their own uniforms. The coloring has changed here internally. There's a lot more pinks and purples. Mm-hmm. It is a little bit brighter than the previous two issues, isn't it? It doesn't seem as muddy. Uh, I'm, I'm not noticing that. From, now again, I'm looking at the Kindle copy. Okay. I'm going I'm to pull up the, the digital one because... Uh, I want to see if it I'm, is I'm a little brighter. I mean, you've got more of this, of this, wh- these white highlights. A name, or if that's supposed to be sweat or something, but that was not in the previous issue. Now he's got it kind of peppering all over him. It's almost looked like he cut himself, and he's got a little toilet paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. You're saying on the on the second page. Yeah. Second page. Yeah. yeah sorry. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, the the uh, the, the CBR is horrible. It's just so dark and miscolored compared to the Kindle copy. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then on page four, we get a really great picture of Spitfire, Union Jack, and Namora. What? <laughs> what? She's got a cousin, Namora. Now she didn't have the wings, right? Well, as we learn, Nemora was not part of the invaders. That's like, wait a second. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so obviously he's hallucinating. Uh, <laughs> but it is a great image of Spitfire standing there. I mean, that is just, I love the way he drew Spitfire uh, when he did a recap in Cap and, and here as this version. This is really great, but... Now, uh, is the Union Jack mask this, the same type that Doctor Strange wore during that period where he wore a mask? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, Burns one of the few people that can make it look cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, I've tried that reading is... that bit of Doctor Strange, and that's just really strange to me. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. It's just like, what? I- I'm lost in all that. <laughs> yeah, when I they know. did it, it was an attempt to make him more superhero-like to try to boost sales of the book uh-huh. and it, it it worked for me because i started buying everything that had the blue mask on it because he was also tied into a a, a one what is it the uh, a one story one 61 avengers 61 um so it worked for me but the series didn't last more than in a year after yeah. that and tanked mm-hmm. but that's a discussion for another day i have very strong opinions about that Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so we turn the page. We, we find out that, what? Nemora is not supposed to be part of that. What's going on here? Obviously, he's hallucinating, but he has enough somewhat of his mind there to say that things are going crazy. Either that or that's just text box, just to let us know. And now we're flashbacking again to get some of the backstory. Uh, how does Spitfire and Union Jack end up in Berlin, and uh, now we're back with uh, an elderly lady, Jacqueline Crichton, visiting Namorita in the hospital. Uh, Kirk, how confused were you at this point? Oh, I recognized he was jumping around, and and I figured he'd he'd sort things out, and he does. <laughs> I just didn't know if Chief Inspector Kitchener was supposed to be a repeating character or somebody that we recognize from someplace else, or is he just a, a foil, somebody for 
you know, the lady to interact with and talk. Yeah. You know, the yeah. exposition network. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have we ever seen him before? I'm checking if, right now. If or we did we ever did see we him s- again? Did we see him in that Cap two-part story that took place in England there? We might have seen him there. One second here. I do like the fact that he's... he's I will say this. He's, he tries to capture the, the the tone of British conversation. You know, he drops in a lot of um, British words and he tries to make it sound like... Civility? Know, yeah, right. They were talking in the fact that he has... The doctor is an Indian doctor. I thought that was a nice, yeah, nice touch. Yeah, I wondered where that was going. I don't think that was... I think that was just trying to, to establish that this is... Oh, this is London, I guess. It's, it's England. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, That's Inspector Kitchener's only appearance uh, ever. Oh, okay. Huh. I'll be. Okay. I, I did want to know, is Namoretta, is that her nightgown, or did they give her that? That seems awfully short and skimpy for a, uh, a hospital-issued nightgown, or whatever she's supposed to, or is that just what she was, is that her, that's uh, her nightgown? That's her slip. That's her, that's sl- her okay. slip that was, was underneath her outfit. Okay, that's what I was... Sure. Yeah. We'll go with that. <laughs> so we get the story here that she followed Namor mm-hmm. and en- encountered those thugs who tried to probably have their way with her like they did Anne, but um, <laughs> they took took on a lot more than they could handle, and she escaped. Well, she and, They overwhelmed her and, I mean, seriously injured her, which that says that her power set significantly less than Namor's. Right. Yeah, I think it Except is. she can fly. Yeah. But she did get away and flew all the way to London from Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> that seems... Well, go ahead. Well, yeah. How successful do you think uh, in the flashbacks that the way they've got the uh, the inking to to make it look like she's in shadow or at least uh, it's almost like they've put a, a filter over it to make it look like it's night, almost like it's been shot day for night. In the flashback? Again, yeah, the, the flashbacks. The coloring... Were, the coloring is a little off, especially on the page where she first encounters them and starts fighting them. The, the coloring on her hair in that bottom right hand mm-hmm. uh, corner just looks so wrong. And then there's something on the wall there, and it it makes it look like she's got a horn coming out of her head. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I see. Uh, yeah. No. So yeah, I, I don't know where the uh, the trouble is, you know, on that. If that was just in the the coloring, the inking, or the printing, because it could have been a combination of all of them. Yeah. Well, I think it shifts. If you look the page before when she's tailing Namor, it's in the same color um, regimen, and then mm-hmm. when she encounters the thugs, it's the same thing. But the next page, it's suddenly brighter. Yeah. It's yep. it's just. Well, they're under like a street. A, they're under an a street entirely lamp. different day, or or somebody else has taken over the color chores, or I don't know what well, it is, but it's well, really. I, I find it interesting in that bottom panel when she's flying over the ocean that some of her hair is actually splashing off of her head, like it's not even connected. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're doing that same thing with the clothing as the wind is whipping the clothing, but her, may, you know, maybe it's just lost in the shadow of night or whatever. But it yeah. looks like some of it's actually split off of her head. Well, I do. It's nice that he's the way he's drawn this trail behind her that it shows that she's kind of flying erratically. Yeah, yeah. she's injured yeah. and she's holding her side. 
Yeah. So then she explains to Lady Crichton. So this is Spitfire, um, who has aged, and uh, that in... that image in the middle right-hand panel of yeah, her it's face really nice. is so amazingly detailed. Mm-hmm. It is nice. Good use of the duo shade there. That really worked. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And Lady Crichton takes her home to Fallsworth Manor, which is uh, her family manor. That's her, where her family's from, and we'll recognize that from Captain America 253 and 4. That whole page excels on the de- on the detail. I mean, you know, of course, the, there's details he's done from photo referencing the, the, the inside of the manor, the outside of the manor as they're driving up the rolls. But just the one scene of Namorita in the red coat walking along with their hands in the pockets. That right there is just, uh, he had to have get some, gotten someone to model for him so he could come up with that image correctly, show the folding and, and everything else that's going on with the uh, with the outfit. This is the detail that John Byrne does that other artists mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. Well, when it comes to, like I said, clothing and fashion, he's always been... Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, you know Top she's gone retro into the '80s with the headband. I know it's a band. She had just watched the Supergirl movie. <laughs> who on the next page? Who is that behind Jarvis? I should know that. Uh, Cersei. Okay. Cersei. Cersei. Yeah, and Jarvis has lost some weight, hadn't he? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. And some more hair. <laughs> now and the bottom wanted, panel. And if I'm you want to know where Captain America is at the moment, just check out issues of his his own mag. At the time, but what the, is the, going on? I don't know. <laughs> okay, that's an old well, editorial backs to find no, out. No, no, we'll, we'll know later. Yeah. We'll definitely know later. But the bottom panel of of Namorita in the chair, and I noticed that in in a previous panel with Namor sitting in a chair in the airplane, it yes. looks like they're really sunk down in Slump. there. And yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you guys, that's my normal way of sitting in a chair. I don't yep. like to bend at the waist when I'm in a chair. Well, she sits yeah, this way a lot. Namoretta sits this way, I think, a lot in these issues. Yeah. Oh, I'm sitting right now. <laughs> yeah. So in the left left panel where uh, Lady Fallsworth is on the phone, did you catch some significance in what she's saying that this, she's speaking in code? I mean, she says, if Cap comes in within the next hour, tell him I said tally-ho. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a code word. And then on the bottom right, she says, tell them the frequency is, what does that say, 911, 917, whatever it says. It's 917. Like... Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get that's... the impression she's sending him a coded message saying, help or come find us. Yep. Or the invaders need you. Yeah. Yeah, luckily, uh, yeah because uh, that's all stuff from when they worked together in World War Two. Um, has maybe that been nine... established, or is that just is that just fitty D that that Burn is just creating this out of whole cloth? I I don't remember if for I know, sure. If I know Burn, it may be actual uh, World War II code or something that he's looked up. That sounds like something he would know or have found out and just slipped it in. Okay, it might have Tally... just been slipped in for the storytelling purposes. I don't. Yeah. I don't All right. recall exactly. Did Did you notice that Lady Fallsworth has turned completely green on the next page? She's apparently got chameleon powers because she's blending into the uh, <laughs> yeah, door. Yeah, she of is. She's <laughs> not in the I original. Did, I didn't catch I don't that see until it. just now. 
No, where? Yeah, where she's she's getting ready to open the thing up for you to to see the plane inside, and oh. you see Namor. She's Namorita standing there in her red coat, but you look a little bit over to the right. Second panel. Yeah. Okay. And and color. she's there, but she's colored the same color as the door. Yeah. So she just kind of blends in. Okay. You're right. You're... I can't see her at all on this version. I'm yeah. taking a look in the thing. No, in the original, yeah. wow. she's, it's the same color palette. They didn't take yeah, the time to separate it out. They just did some mates and painted over. What yeah. you think of this, uh, the DK, I guess, 01? That's um, pretty cool. And it's, pretty it's cool. very much like what we would have seen in the original yeah, series. I, I, something I like hate this. to be a party pooper, but how are they going to get that out of there? Well, if you doors... look at the front, of, the front of the building, it's a double garage separated by a column. And it may open, but it's not going to open as wide as the. Uh, well, maybe, the, the wings, wings, maybe the wings. Maybe the wings fold up. up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they'd have to. Like, like oh, they in, do. Uh, if you look on the, if you look on the, uh, a couple of pages later, it's a, it's a VTOL. Yeah. So that they, they might just fold up or something. They move, move it around. They would have to. Oh, yeah. Does anybody catch a significance in the, uh, the, the call letters on the side of this vehicle? DK zero one. Yeah. I was not I'm ringing any bells. No, I'm trying to read between the lines. I'm thinking it's Ditko misspelled, but I'm, I'm that's pushing it. <laughs> that would be interesting to find out if he has a reason for that. It probably has some reference somewhere. So the next page, we get Joey showing up in as Union Jack, uh, saying, "Hey, uh, you can't leave without me." Basically, I like the fact that Namoretta thinks he's Captain Britain. Number ten, no. and he goes, no, 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 it's not me. It's like we just wear similar yeah. outfits. I, similar. I don't like this costume at all. I, I, mean, like I didn't original. like the update. I didn't like the update on Captain Britain's costume either. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, the the, the shoulder pads was kind of eighties, and the guy's got massive guns, but uh, apparently he's gotten super powered too, which he didn't the first time that we met him. Is he so supposed I don't know. to be uh, their version they... of Captain America? Yeah. yeah. Well, Captain Britain is supposed to be their version of Captain America. Union Jack was, you know, one of the guys that also went back to the invaders. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the original I... Union Jack fought during World War One, uh, and it was Jacqueline's father, who was the Union Jack, and that's who died in two fifty three and two fifty four of Cap was uh, uh, Lord Fallsworth, who was the original Union Jack. Okay. In the 50s, Jacqueline's brother took over the Union Jack role, but then he was killed in a car accident. And that, and at the time, uh, in, in Cap, um, Jacqueline said that her powers had faded, so she didn't have her speed anymore. And so both, both characters kind of just went on the vine. And then, and Cap... 253 and 4 with the Baron Blood return, that's when um, Joey, it was thought that Kenneth, Jacqueline's son, might inherit Union Jack, but he's like, no, I, it's not for me. Um, Joey's better. He's a scrapper. He's, he's um, He was Kenneth's friend. Uh, yeah. He's more of a tough guy that would better inhabit the role. So um, he took the role on as Union Jack. And if you pay attention when watching Captain America, the first Avenger, you see Lord Fallsworth is one of the Howling Commandos. Oh, oh, uh, I didn't that, notice that, really. The, the British guy, the one that's talking to Stephen Nabar at first. That's, oh, okay. Uh, 
Lord Falsworth, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I was expecting that the black guy was going to be a young Nick Fury, but they never they never did that. Said anything about no, that? That would have been Gabe, uh, Gabe Jones. Yeah. And I. Yeah, but I, but see, the thing is, I always thought that that uh, you know Union Jack was you know a character from way way back, and it turns out he was created in what seventy five, seventy seven, by Roy Thomas. Yes, he was created by Roy Thomas. Yeah, I've got indeed. a question on the the page that shows the VTOL uh, mm-hmm. flying out of the the barn. Um, between the second and the third panel, in the border, not actually in the panel, but it, but between them, there seems to be something written to the upper left side of uh, L- Lady Falsworth's uh, head. Do you see what I'm talking about? I see it. It's just a window. It's Is a it window. a signature? No, that's a window on top of that uh, building. It's just we're only seeing part of it. No, no, next no, no. He's talking down. about there is something written there. It, oh, it's... you're talking between the second and third panel, or third yes. and fourth panel? Yes. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. Third and fourth panel. My my screen wasn't scrolled down. Third and fourth. Sorry. So the area that's brown like dirt. Yeah. No. And it looks. It does look like a signature. I don't know. I can't read it. I'm looking at two different copies here, so let me see if. Uh... For some reason, I'm using my fingers, but yeah. it's not enlarging, so I can't see it. Never thought of trying to do that. I zoomed no. in. It looks just like he's drawn like little circles and stuff, so it's more like rubble or something, or just uh, mock texture or something like dirt, maybe. It yeah, because the, the, in between these panels, you're just following the landscape of the farmland and the trees and stuff and everything. And that right there is, you know, at the edge of the, the, the grounds where they're at some sort of a, yeah. So it, yeah. it just likes dirt and maybe that's road. And then there's the black panel that he's got behind everything. You think yeah. this is Burns version of, we don't need roads from <laughs> back to the future. Could be. <laughs> yeah. So then the next page brings us to the, the actual we're caught up entry what we're actually supposed to be seeing not what Namor is viewing and uh, we've got we've got Lady Crichton Union Jack and Namorita bursting through the door uh, right there so it's not Namora Lady Crichton sure is ageist I mean she's talking about her age every other panel (laughs) at least she's wearing that she's older yeah (laughs) yeah well, let's see. At this at this point, in 1990, how old would she be? Uh, well, she was 20. At least 50 years. She would be in her yeah. 70s. Yeah, I think it says she's 70s. 71, doesn't it? Somewhere in the book. Oh, okay. It says oh, okay. she actually establishes her being 71. Yeah. So. And I like he injects right. uh, when he slams a guy, you know. Dang. I'm sure Ow. that guy's dead, but he's, he's just... The way his neck is cracked there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's pretty nasty looking. Yeah. And a nice good fight, and then... Uh, I still talk... like the look of the original Union Jack better, though. <laughs> I do, too. That that's really panel. that's really cool. Uh, nice little dose of a water bottle there, and Namor is refreshed, which is good. I like that. Good. Yeah, it's a great scene. A little. Well, you know, the thing that I like in, in this, and in, in th- this issue underscored it more than any other, is that, you know, it's like whenever we were, 
watch the cartoons or, or, or whatever we saw when you had an amphibian character, if they were away from water for one hour, they were screwed. They were weak. They were dying on the verge mm-hmm. of death. And while he was, you know, suffering and everything, he never really seemed to be on the verge of death. Well, he never Here, seemed to he have had the, a lot of strength. Right. He never seemed to have the 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 weakness that Aquaman had. You know, that right. if he was out of water for an hour, he would just go into a coma or something. Right. And and that's not happening to Aquaman anymore either. I, it, it's just that, you know, prior to this, it always seemed like that was the the huge weakness, but they didn't really expl- you know, Byrne didn't didn't treat it that way. He made him a much tougher character for us, I think. He's redefined his his powers a little bit more. That's why he's bulletproof in this one where he wasn't previously. Yeah. So when we turn the page, Masterman has arrived, and we're going to cut away and save that battle for later. But he's in a glorious coat. I love. Hang on, just those. a second. <laughs> right, right there where it says "freeze the moment," I want to call attention to the fact that we are now on the twentieth page of thirty-nine. Can you say? A seam right here, a cliffhanger, that maybe this was originally supposed to be two pay, two two issues. I well, won't yeah, argue I, it terribly strongly. I'm just pointing out we're at the twentieth page, and here's a, a perfect cliffhanger. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and that's the thing is that I mean he, and in like in in Elswin, he's worked to make every page a cliffhanger. Yep. And this that's is something true. that he started way back then. We just didn't notice it as much because he never drew attention to it. Right. But now, we're, as as we're looking at these in, in such detail, we're seeing it more. I think the lettering in that yellow box of the freeze the moment was a little clumsy. Yeah. So, and but the, I mean, I love this page with the burn tech there, and then the odd skyscraper, and then we go down to the other panel again. It looks like he drew the panels all independently, and then Shuffled. you know pasted them as he as he found them to be working for the story. Anybody mm-hmm. else find the coloring on? Who is this? Um, here, knock, knock. Totally screwed up. Yeah, he's it's, it's beat purple. red. He's white yeah, hair now. No, yeah, he's, yeah, he's not beat red here. He's he's got the purple hue from the previous color in the in the original really? book. Yeah. Huh. Well, whatever I'm watching or looking at, they have recolored him. He is as red as the vision. Wow. Yeah, no. It is yeah. so inappropriate. I, I see him on, on the the CBR. I have he's got the same color, a little bit darker than say Wyatt Wingfoot, uh, as Wyatt Wingfoot was done in the Fantastic Four uh, just before that. But um, but I tell you, you, the Warrior Woman though, there is he is sitting there trying to seduce her. Looks more like a man. Yes. Uh, <laughs> in in drag than than a warrior woman. Well, he's doing a good job of showing that she's. I mean, her jaw does look a little squared off, but yeah, uh, he is. I mean, he is coming on her pretty hard with that uh, his slick back mullet hair and his Miami Vice jacket. And now he had <laughs> blonde hair in the previous issues, but it's white here, and that's you know definite, definite change. Mm-hmm. Am I remembering that right? Let me go back now. What's well, a nice we... the next page? A nice touch that he's got the. Oh, it's a pair of shows it already that he is, you know, he's kind of done a Sarah Connor. He's fallen in love with a picture of her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he, well, and he's been caretaking the, or his family has been caretaking the, the suspended animation chambers. So he probably like 
kind of creepily went in and like used to spy on her or something. Probably. And, and he, you know, know, like you said he kind of fell want... in love with even as a child. Yeah, yeah. I got that he was supposed to be the embodiment of the new Germany, yeah. without morals, without, you know, without any values, just all business, so to speak. Yeah. And so there he takes his clothes off. He's like, check, check me out, man. I'm... <laughs> or there she looks like Olivia Munn. Or uh, Olivia Munn and Kira Knightley mashed together. There where she's got the one shoulder slumped. and mm-hmm. you gotta She love doesn't the look anywhere near as, as buff yeah. as she was earlier. She's I mean, not. She... she looks pretty, yeah, she looks pretty... Uh... Model-ish. But you got to love the dialogue. Uh, you overwhelm me, Herr Nacht. My head spins, my heart pounds. I mean, that's, that's so cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> and then we find out that she has suffered brain damage, which has likely uh, changed her personality from the person she was to who she is now. So is, what's the significance of that, that to... Is this a blank check that he could have written future stories and done things with? Or is it her uncertainty or is it her infidelity? What What's the point of underscoring that over and over again? Well, I think, you know, the thing is, is that she was always she was very unhappy about the iniquities of Masterman, that he was not the man that she ever wanted to be married to. Okay. And that, of course, colored her whole perception of men in general. And yet here you have someone that's been her benefactor who's definitely got some intelligence in him that Masterman doesn't. And, you know, he, of course, is also a physical being and he desires her. This is, you know, most men are probably afraid of her. And the only one that isn't afraid of her is an idiot. Mm-hmm. So this guy right here is showing her something that she hasn't experienced before. Okay. Well, she almost seems like she's a little bipolar because she she certainly, when we first see her when she's dressed earlier, she was yelling at the guy she bumped into and she was all upset with him. And, right. And, yeah. But here she seems much more docile. So maybe she's kind of going back and forth. You know, and of course, Krauss is saying, well, you know, she's got brain damage, you know. So as he says, uh, her fires have at least been partially doused. Yeah, I, I think Kirk is just to show a twist in the character so that they could keep her there because otherwise she wouldn't, the original warrior woman the way she was, she wouldn't even take this new master man on. So this is a way that he could try to manipulate her into the story and uh, move it along, I, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. Now, in, in, in moving it along, as Hidner is looking over the next couple pages where master man and Namor are battling and Lady Crichton and Anne Raymond are trying to to get out. You, and I'm looking specifically at the Pedro Union Jack comes in and, and headbutts the guy in the nose, which looks incredibly painful. Yeah, that nose um, was shattered. <laughs> yeah. But oh, yeah. the the bottom panel there, though, is the one that really interests me because here's Namor battling Masterman, and all of a sudden he gets concerned for Master Man, and I, I find that really interesting where Namor's concerned. I mean, here he is, he's you know, been battling this guy, and all of a sudden he realizes, oh man, something's going on with him. And it's almost like, are you okay? Mm. 
I think he yeah. just he just surprised he's just shocked surprised. that suddenly he he stopped fighting and he's I guess it looks like he's kind of shrinking. Um, now he is, yeah. In front of him, and he becomes uh, Vanilla Ice on the next page. Um, <laughs> and, and here, the clothes do not shrink with him; they are definitely yeah. rumpled and over oversized. And comes in the new Master Man, who looks like he should be on today's Ultimate Tag Show. Yeah, right. or in an S and M dungeon somewhere. Yes. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. Apparently, he and uh, the uh, Warrior Woman have had time enough to change. There's a lot of changing going on in this in this book. Quick so changes. In he, so why did he lose his his power? Why did he revert? It's because not explained, his, is it? His power is what been siphoned off by the new. Master Man? Is that the point? There that's, was a, a knowing statement made earlier in there that this was going to happen to him. Okay. And I, because I, I, I just read that earlier, and I was like, okay, so they know it's going to happen, but they don't explain it. Okay. And yeah. so then, yeah, he he's shrunken. He's looks defeated, but up oh, the new Master Man comes into continue the battle and on that same page where we see him come in that bottom panel when you see his fist hitting namor there's something really weird about that fist in that panel and this is the first time the stars have really distracted me the the, the pain stars or whatever you want to call those mm-hmm. as they're coming off it seems more cartoonish this panel seems more cartoonish than any of the ones that we'd seen before right Namor's face is just, just what um, what's the word I want? Distorted. It looks like Klaus Jansen had a hand in inking it. Well, it's just not a very uh, dynamic shot. It's not. Um, it seems a little uh, compressed in the box. He's got it in the in the in the the panel. Yeah. He's got it in. It looks little. It's not a nice. There's not a lot of energy to it. Right. And then the next page, of course, we see he makes up for he it. Sitting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he makes up for it definitely with a with a nice wang. Um, not not the, not the best sound effect. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> and we see the Human Torch looks like at the edge of death on the on the table there. Well, that yeah. was that was drawn by Gil Kane. Um, up the nose, up the nose shot there. <laughs> <laughs> and then here comes the the Doctor to ruin the day. And all of a sudden, Lady Crichton uses whatever super speed she had left to mm-hmm. to punch him and really ruin his day in a big way. With a now, there's a bratat. Is that him firing, or is that that's yeah, him I firing? So. I think I didn't get that at first, but yeah, because she's mortally wounded. Yes, that has to be there. Yeah, and I think it's interesting and, that in the page where she's go, you know, she's running, and it says whoosh. That, yes. And that's the way the wizard, his W looked like on his costume. Yes. I don't know if that's oh, uh, yeah, on does. purpose. That's cool. And then Namor, of course, is uh, still battling against him, and he's getting hurt pretty bad. But fortunately, Captain America comes in at that last second, and that's just a beautiful shot of Captain America. But I just don't think of him being anywhere near the power set that uh, Namor has. Because Namor's, what, what 50 to 80 tons? I think he's 100 tons. paying he? attention to uh, class Hot Moo back in the day. Isn't this, shot of, 
this sorry it may also sorry. be a play on um, on this new master man is saying hey you're as big a fool you've always allowed yourself to be distracted in the middle of battle and then that's exactly what happens that cap is able to get in yep. a good strike that is oh you're distracted so <laughs> i think this, it's kind of but isn't this up. shot exactly the same one of cap punching hitler in that's the, what it uh, reminds me of definitely. the 40s and he, he kind of punched in the same way oh you're right i hadn't caught that hmm And then, then Cap and Namor double teaming this guy. He didn't have a chance. No, I do. Not. I do love the way they show Cap on, on the next page. Cap on top of the guy, you know, basically using his acrobatics because yeah. you know Kirby did so much with the acrobatics of Cap, and there were very few artists that came on after that that made use of the acrobatics. They just made Cap a great fighter, right? As opposed to being you know an acrobat and everything else he was. But I love that four-page spread of everyone in a name reader coming in to take care of Warrior Woman, who's, I don't know, that belt on her costume looks like she stole it from Wolverine. <laughs> but that is really big. And the next page we get to the, not, yeah, the Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, scene. That would have been Tote, right? Yeah. Oh, the character who melts. Yeah. Yeah. Was... Yeah. This caught me off guard. I I wasn't anticipating this as I was reading along. It's sort of like Hamlet. Okay, let's kill them all. Let's <laughs> clear the stage now. It's like he's got to go, and this person's got to go, and it's just you know big conflagration coming here. Yeah. Well, he seems he seems kind of uh, okay with the fact that he's dying. It's like okay, I'm I'm. Having kept alive artificially for ever, what, from 61. I thought he was a vampire when I read this. It's like, what's the <laughs> point? <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's like, <clears throat> is that where this is going? Because there's all this conversation about the blood and blood transfusions, and this guy who's clearly been, you know, kept alive long before, long beyond his, his range. So I was thinking that's where this was going. It reminds me of Frank Miller's That Yellow Bastard. <clears throat> Mm. I don't know if you guys read that, but that was, yes. that was one of the Sin City stories and yeah, pretty disgusting, bit. disgusting smells. And that's what this guy's got it going for him also. Ooh. Good riddance. Now, the next page was one that really the the use of the duo shade on the human torch's eyes is so distracting to me in that one panel. It looks like. He's and about four? to use some weird vision power. Right. But then, oh, yeah. up in the second panel, across the bridge of his nose and his face, it's very effective there. Yeah. And yeah. yes. on her. So, well, yeah, we got to remember that the torch has lost a lot of blood. He was on death's door just as he crawled off the table only, what, a half minute earlier. So, yeah. I'll cut him some slack there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yep. And then he's going to uh, save Jackie again. Um, Even if it means his own death. Yeah. Now, part of the, uh, a little bit of the backstory here is that um, back in the Invaders, uh, Jim, the Human Torch, had a crush on Jacqueline. But she had always had eyes for Captain America. And wasn't she 16? Love I mean, no, she, was, she wasn't quite 20. Uh, I, I don't think she was that young. I think she was, because she was... 
I think I think she played more older. I don't think she was quite that young. Okay. But yeah. Uh, I always interpreted her as being in her early 20s. Um, you know, she's f- fighting for the war effort and things like that. So, um, but um, so when she got injured, then that's when he volunteered to give her the transfusion uh, because even though she didn't return his interest you know he was still going to save her so yeah. uh, this there's a little bit more to this anyway was the original torch ever written uh, when they brought him back or back with maybe this in the vader series you're talking about john was he written here he seems to be agonized about well i'm not really a man i'm just an android <clears throat> but i have to save a human was that part of his kind of character did he have that kind of silver surfer kind of uh, agonization about i'm not really a human or people going to accept me that kind of thing Yes, yeah. It's always been part of his character. Okay. Yeah. Back yeah, in my... the Frank Robbins era, you're saying? Mm. Back yeah, in the he's, 70s? He still um, was like, well, I'm I'm just an android. I'm not fully human, that kind of stuff. It was still kind of that, uh, that realization of the difference between not being fully human. Jeez. Is that bottom just right like panel? The, the vision continually... Mauls that over too. Yeah. Well, they're made from the same parts. Yeah. And didn't Roy Thomas create the vision? <laughs> yes. So. And right. He it, said he I said the vision was, originally. He said the vision was made from the Human Torch's dead body, by Ultron. But it turned out it was just made from the same part type of parts, uh, according to John Byrne and West Coast Avengers. So that's why they seem similar, but they're not the same guy. And yeah. we, you know, I mean, all of us believe that uh, that the Vision was the remade Human Torch for the longest time. Yeah. Well, he was supposed to be. If yeah. you if you read the background uh, of the history that Roy Thomas has has let slip over his run on the Avengers, he had dealt with a loose ends for Captain America and Bucky. Mm-hmm. He had dealt with Neymar. He had dealt with all the the uh, the Prime Three invaders, but very pointedly had not dealt with the Human Torch, and nobody picked up on it. And so he, right from the beginning, had always intended the Vision to be the Human Torch, right from the red face. But nobody was picking up on the clues that he would periodically drop. But we knew something was going on mm. because he had claustrophobia he'd have bouts of anger he'd have there were something was going on we knew that but we didn't know where it was leading so when he left the book that plot line had not finished off so he leaned over to whoever took over i I don't recall if it was um, the next writer and said hey you want to know the secret this is where i was headed i think it was engelhart and so Probably. he was or like, Conway. oh, so it's like, don't contradict this. But this is where this was going to go and paying off that it is the human torch. But the big reveal hasn't played out yet and nobody's caught it yet. So that's that's a little of the background. So when it hmm. played out, Thomas was going, yep, that's what I intended all along. That's not how I was going to reveal it. But, yeah, that's where it was going. Oh, cool. It, it did seem like right. Right. Thomas. And, it, I mean, John Byrne had a tendency to retcon a lot of Thomas's work. But, you know, Thomas would also retcon Byrne's work, too. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, 
you can't, I mean, they're not necessarily contemporaries. Thomas started years before Byrne, but Thomas definitely was one of the first of the fans to actually become a writer. Mm-hmm. And, and I think... a huge body of knowledge. Yes. Like a, a historian, much like Kurt Busiek. Exactly. Uh, back to the page, though. The bottom right panel, when when Namorita is getting Warrior Woman, doesn't Warrior Woman look like, almost like Magpie there? Yes. <laughs> An unmasked magpie is what I was thinking of. And boy, she really dressed down Master Man there. You can see that she's holding the collar of his coat as she's telling him how worthless he is. Yeah, exactly. She uh, she really despised, she always despised Master Man. And even when he's in his powered up state, she always despised him and despised that she was that he called her his wife and things like that because she was just like, no, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not yours and I'm not going to be burying your children. But so the this... next page, of course, gives us all the yellow that I just don't care for. Yeah. This one is not as successful as the previous one. Um, mm-hmm. I agree there. but And this, I got a, a real kind of uh, Bride of Frankenstein vibe where when the bride is revealed, if you're familiar with that film, you know, she rejects the monster, and then he oh, you know, gives that famous yep. line of "she hates me." Then he pulls the lever and blows them all up. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never seen that film. I never caught that. That is, you should watch. I mean, Frankenstein's a great film. Bride of Frankenstein is almost a black comedy. It's, a, it's a fantastic film. Okay, so you're, so Brian, you're saying that on page thirty-five, the explosion and everything else is shaded yellow. And black. It's 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 yeah. black with uh, yellow highlights in there, just like the previous one that we saw that I was commenting on earlier, but not su- not as successfully done. This really again reminds me of the first page in Omac, number one, because um, you know he's doing much the same style. But the page in Omac is is much more successful because there is no color in it. Yeah. It's all black and white. Where he's kind of getting blown apart. Yeah. Yeah, adding just the yellow to it and not any other colors. You know, if if, if you're going to do this, you should have they should have used more color than just the yellow. And I think that's a mistake. It makes the bottom panel, the bottom right panel, look almost like a like Frank Miller and Klaus Jansen did that artwork. It, it, it doesn't look like burn at all. The the the, the, yeah. the Kirby crackle, which is if you can call it that, is is very messy. Uh, it's not very precise, and it's. Um, don't say rushed. Don't say rushed. No, it doesn't feel rushed. It just feels... <laughs> uh, and I don't want to say he's not paying attention to detail because I'm sure he has to pay attention to, to create this. It's just a different visual style of what he normally mm-hmm. would do. Now, yeah. is that warrior woman that's in the background? Because this is the first time I actually noticed yeah, on the someone lo- back there. Lower right, that is warrior woman. No, uh, upper left. Upper of left the... of the lower right panel. Yeah. 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 And the okay, next page... Right we see her even closer and this is virtually yeah. all black and white in my version and you're right the act the yellow accents are extremely slight yeah yeah so uh namorita is going to try to help her but uh she refuses uh, she doesn't need help from anyone actually um that's <laughs> that's warrior woman um, but but Namorita's yeah. dialogue sounds like Warrior Woman is doing something. She says, "Don't be a fool." I don't know if that means come with me. I need to save you. It's almost like Warrior Woman's doing something that causes another explosion that I yeah. guess vaporizes yeah. her. 
I always thought it as looks like Warrior Woman's needs help getting out, or she's struggling, yes. and, and that's what Nita's going to try to help her, and she says, "No, get away from me! I don't need help from you." And then, boom! And there's another explosion. Yeah. Right. That's uh, how that, I read it too. Yeah, that one I like. the The one where Namorette is kind of being, you know, the force of the blast is kind of ripping through her clothes. That one I like. It's uh, that one's well done. Yeah. Yeah, still not a fan of the yellow. Yeah, well, I, I won't I... call it runny eggs, but still, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. And then uh, that's one section that's blown up. Apparently, it didn't blow up everything, so. Enough to damage the entire, bring down the whole block or something. So it's just that one room. Yeah, on the next page, is Captain America all, looking all black to you guys? Yeah. The blue just of his costume's all black and shadow. Shading, yeah. yeah. It's just yeah, U.S. agent. And, it's U.S. And agent. <laughs> the, the human torch in there. Golly, Namor's arm and hand look so funky yeah. in the second panel there. You're right. Yeah. Something's not right there. Yeah. Uh, little sadness on Cap's face, lower left, uh, which yep. is even in that small panel. It's obvious they because they, they think Torch is dead. Whenever I see someone's lips like that, I always think of Carl Kessel, Kiesel, the way he draws people's faces. He he likes to do that heavy hanging lower lip. Mm-hmm. And then of course the next page. Look. My hair's grown, my clothes have shrunk, and so have I. <laughs> but it looks like your hair stayed white. I thought yeah, that was Namorita at first. I it mean, looked, yeah, in terms like of her. the age and the size, <laughs> until I read it carefully, it was like, whoa, what's happened here? I thought Namorita made it out. So, yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, with, with the shrinking clothes, you just kind of, it's comics. <laughs> and then we you have know, the data dump on the next page. You know, there's something else here as well. If they've reverted Lady Crichton back to this age, she's now the same age, the same size as Namorita, who's made reference earlier to her new warriors. I wonder if this was supposed to be a character that was then going to go on to be part of that team or the those two were going to hang out because they are featured together so much in this issue. That might have been the a plan, or the, he. I think John Byrne actually had some sort of a plan for Spitfire. Yeah. I, I who knows what it was? I couldn't find anything. And I, back then, I thought it would have been great for Jacqueline to join as Spitfire, the New Warriors, and act as a mentor, having had all that experience. Yeah. Uh, but they never, they didn't pick that up. Um, I'm sure Fabian was Fabian Nicenza. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. was writing the team was probably like, yeah, no, I have my own ideas. <laughs> I right, don't want anyone right. to shoehorn someone else in on me. Right. So. Well, if anybody's got access to Burn or Burn Robotics, if the question has not been asked yet, hey, please ask on our behalf. I'd be real interested to know what his intent was because I don't think she comes back again in the series at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing a quick search, but I'm not. Maybe he finding... was just creating a. Uh, he was. You know, putting her back on the playing on the on the table so that others maybe he could. others could do something with it. Maybe he wasn't gonna right. uh, do anything with it, but it was there. She was there in case somebody wanted to. Yeah, um... yeah. as he always said, the uh, writers 
writer's responsibility is to reset the chessboard back to the status quo when you leave a story or when yeah. you leave the series so that all the toys are in the right places for the next writer to pick up from. But, I mean, this is a, a common thread, and I've talked about it before, where Burns taking a character that was, you know, golden age or elder, and he's de-aged them, or, you know, de-aged them and give them superpowers. He did the same thing to uh, one of the characters in She-Hulk. Yeah. Um, blonde Wizzy Phantom. Wizzy? Oh, they blonde had the Blonde Phantom, Phantom. Yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. So we find out Jim is not really dead. Uh, he just, just lost the use of his flame powers dead. in the uh, in the transfusion, and uh, they're resetting the stage so he can go and explore the human part of the Human Torch with Anne, <laughs> uh, Gave who him still a looks like ending. she's twenty-five. Right? It's a happy ending for him. Yeah, 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 definitely. As far as we know, I and I don't know if the Human Torch has ever come back since or not. Well, Burn did put him back in a coma in West Coast Avengers, but this that has happened well before this, correct? I think so. That's before this, yeah. isn't it? <clears throat> yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm not finding anything on his website in relation to that other than, you know, he recognized de-aging her, but he didn't say anything about what he was going to do. It was part of the everything you know is a lie thread. Because they had talked about whether or not she didn't have her powers uh, even in her 70s, and obviously she did, that we saw here. Mm -hmm. Did I just lose everyone? Right here. No, no, we're here. No. So, is that finish up this tale? That we're finishes two and a half up, hours now. That finishes this tale. Overall, well, thoughts? actually, I, I did. I did want to make one comment about the very last panel. And tell me, does that look like Frank Miller's drawing of Electra in the face of Anne Raymond? Because if you look at, uh, I would have drawn there. The very last drawing that Frank Miller did in Daredevil proper, I guess it was 191 or 182, it looked like if, if you took her hair off and showed her as bald, it looked just like his Electra. But it also looks like she's unfinished. Well, Compared I think she's the also smirking a little bit. Yeah. yeah. She, there's a little, I think there's some innuendo here in, in Hammond's last comments. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, do you guys get that too? Yeah, well, I thought they'd already, uh, you know, tested whether or not he's fully functional. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, they've already tested the multiple yeah. techniques. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think would it's... have gone there, but that—that's what I get upon this yeah, reading. That's I didn't catch that in the, when yeah. I first when this first came out, and I first bought it off the newsstand. I only got that as I did this read and went why are they ending on this note? And then I thought it through and thought, no, he's not going there, is he? But I guess he did. If you guys picked up on that, um, okay. I thought it was also interesting that uh, Namor establishes that they did not find uh, Master Man. There were no bodies. Didn't find the bodies, so he's already establishing, okay, they're going to come back. They're not really dead. Instead of just leaving it as I was thinking. You see right behind him as he's saying that, you can see the Lady Crichton is ticked off about that this is her 
mission now. She's going to take that on to, to sit there and track him down. And maybe Byrne had something in the works or he talked to somebody and said, hey, here's a good plot yes. line for you. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's he's set it up to be continued maybe by Stern, but he's left it open for the next chapter. I agree. Now, my other comment is on Cap's head with the chainmail all over that like you see it. That looks like that would be really uncomfortable to have that kind of chainmail all over your head. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a that's case where the duotone, I think, does not work for the it, chainmail. I, mm-hmm. I don't like it at all. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you all overall enjoyed the story, even yeah. though, even without the invaders' back back history. Uh, well, I learned a lot thanks to you guys because I I had no idea that the invaders really didn't weren't a comic book thing until the seventies. I thought that they were always back there in the past, and and of course, what reinforced that was uh, Marvels. Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross uh, had the Marvel series where. They also highlighted the invaders' work in World War II. And so, you know, this has been very educational. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, I, I suppose this. I could have done the research myself, but, you know. <laughs> I enjoyed this very much. I, I got everything that I needed about the backstory and who these characters were from Byrne. So this is self-contained, and I, I appreciate that because I've not read a lick of any of the 1970s Invaders at here. all, but it, it, it did what artwork. I'm sorry, Kurt. Well, <laughs> go ahead. I'll wait till we're finished. <laughs> I'm just I, gonna I will s- say, go ahead. I was just gonna say, it does what a good comic should do is that it makes me want to go find other issues and read those, right? The next issue is full of such coolness, you know, it's got a history of Namor. Uh, it's got so many characters. It's the trial of of Namor, in fact, and so you get to see sides of you know Reed Richards and other characters, and even Thor with a very interesting mm-hmm. scene of Thor mm-hmm. having to take the oath on the yes. Bible. I, I got that, that was, too. I, I thought that was really night. interesting. And all the 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 history that you get to see there, you get to see the old Avengers with Hank Pym as Giant Man and the Hulk, uh, you know, stuff from uh, Avengers number four. Uh, that was really a, a, an interesting issue altogether. So, you know, it's like if you're reading these things, keep on reading. It still stays interesting. And, of course, they continue on the whole Iron Man, uh, not Iron, I mean Iron, Iron Fist, Fist. Uh, storyline. But yeah. uh, overall, just uh, again, you know, this is Marvel greatness, and it happened in the 90s, which, you know, really goes against the idea that, you know, no good comic books came in the 90s. But I'll always point towards this and uh, Generations and Captain America, Batman, and that uh, crossover story. There is some great stuff out there. There is some good stuff out of the 90s. It's not all, it's not all bad. But this is a well, great John, suggestion, John. Yep. This yeah, yeah this is just awesome, and I'm I'm glad that we got to to do it and discuss it. And it would have been a lot better than us going over that you know Marvel fanfare Hulk issue just to be spiteful. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. And once again, I really appreciate everybody coming together every week for this. Uh, I think it's it's a good thing, especially with everything that's going on right now. Uh, now more than ever whether it's for coronavirus or for other things, unless you have a reason 
to be outside, stay inside. It's mm-hmm. just uh, getting crazy out there. If you want to go out and let your voice be heard, though, that yeah, do it. Just be careful when you do it. Yes, indeed, indeed. All right, who's going to take us out then? Sounds like you're going to take us out, Kirk. Okay. Hey, well, this has been Third Degree Burn, and uh, we want to thank all our participants. And I'll leave it to Brian to to uh, share all the uh, the websites and the the emails. But uh, I'm Kirk Greenfield. I'm Tim Elliott. John Hyatt. Brian Hughes. <laughs> Thanks for joining right. us, everyone. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. All right. Bye. Bye. Stronger than a whale, he can swim anywhere. He can breathe underwater and go flying through the air. And the nobles come together, prince of the deep, so be worthy than a demon. Lord Mayor of Atlantis is the prince of the deep. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world.